This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, not the king of banter, but he is unquestionably the leader of the Harker Wrestling Intelligentsia. It's Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? Doing all right. Having a uh, having a good day as we record a day early. Why did I say that? I don't not necessarily having a good day. I just don't know <laughs> don't know what to say. Is it a bad day or it's just a it's every day. Every day of your life is kind of the same, right? It's an it's an well that's depressing. It's uh yeah. It's it's an average day that I'm sure that I'll soon forget. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> oh, Joe. No, we're going to make a lot of memories here over this next three hours. Are you, are you kidding me about this? Yeah, by the way, if, if you hear that horrible sound in the background, it's like my neighbor's getting their trees trimmed, and I, I can't tell them to stop. You know what I mean? So I apologize in advance if it's super loud, but uh, yeah. What percentage of days that you live on this earth do you think that you just completely forget ever happened? Uh, oh, what percent? Probably like what? 97%? Like, right? Like, if we're being honest, I mean, you forget. If we're being honest, it's got to be days, well over yeah. 90%. Most yeah. days, like, like, uh, dude, I don't even know. A- what did I do Monday? Like, I'm actually like legitimately trying to think of what I did Monday, and I have no fucking clue. I went to work like I do every day, drive the same route, and then I. I don't know what I did when I came home. I don't remember. I'll think about it for a sec, and I'm sure it was insane. Right, and like, and, and that was only a couple of days ago, like right. six months, like <laughs> two days ago, six, yeah. mo- six months from now. You'll never remember August 27th, 2018. Not a single thing from it, you know. And I think probably, like you're saying, well over 90 percent of the days we live are completely forgettable to the point that we legitimately forget they ever happened. Right. You don't remember a single event. From from most of these days that you live, and that's that is pretty depressing. Yeah, I mean, and it's one slash, as you always say, one more day to death. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Every <laughs> you know, not only is it a worthless day that you'll never remember, but it also got you a step closer to death. So it's really you know positivity every, here. The <laughs> voice like podcast to start off. Every day you wake up, you're one day closer to death. You know? Do you ever think about that? I do. Because I think yeah. I think about that every morning. You think about I'm it more born. than I do. I, I I do think about it. The other day, I was I, I forget what happened. I was I was something. I I don't know. I was like annoyed about something. I was like, God damn it! Like, or oh no, I was wasting time doing something, something stupid. I was just like, this this thirty minutes. Like, I am gonna die one day, and you know, I'll, I'll have an hour left, and I'll think, oh my god, I, there was thirty minutes that I had. And this is what I maybe did with it. If I do remember that moment again, but like, it's just, it was just an utter waste of 30 minutes of my life. And I was just like, my God. And I'm not talking about uh, anything, WWE, anything wrestling related. It was unwrestling related. I, I, I could have made a clever, like triple mania joke right there, but that's fine. We'll talk about triple mania here in a bit. It's like, you ever think to yourself, man, three months ago, I was three months further away from death. <laughs> and, and what have I done in those three months? <laughs> Nothing. I've sat on the couch and watch sports. I've watched terrible wrestling. I've maybe banged my wife a few times. What else? That, you know, it's like a complete waste of time, you know? And 
you wake up the next day and the reaper is one step closer. And it's just another day you're going to forget anyway. You know, it's like there's a Pearl Jam song called, you know, I think the title is uh, Man You'll Soon Forget. And it's just about this guy who's kind of a dick and, you know, and he dies and no one's ever going to remember him. You know, it's like you're never going to remember 90 percent of these days. (laughs) And really, I mean, 200 years from now, is anyone going to know that Rich Creech existed? No. Well, maybe no. Maybe some rogue Google searches if, if Google's still a thing. We'll, we'll, maybe don't listen to these tapes. Right? Yeah, we we we've we've you know, and that's one of the things I always think about too. Like, regardless of whatever we think our lives are, and like, yeah, I do think our lives are utterly worthless or whatever. We still like there are people <laughs> out there, yeah, like you know, that have nothing. You know, they have no mark on the world. I feel like we have a little bit, a small mark on the world. It's not a big mark, and yet, no, in two hundred years, people are probably not going to remember us. But you know, maybe a few people will, or maybe they'll stumble upon us. A lot of people don't get that. You know, a lot of people can't google their names and get pages and pages of 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 stuff that pops up we do though so that that, you know that's a little positivity here you know you know that's that's, we have our some mark a little bit of a mark on history just a slight well uh, well, somebody remembered my name today and yes you got it you were about to tell me this story off air and i don't know what the hell you were thinking tell me off air so please the floor is yours sirs now just so everybody knows this story is utterly ridiculous but rich is making me tell it on the air because i was telling him just as we were setting up for the show and he made me stop. He didn't want to hear how it ended. He said, this has to be on the air. So just so you know, this wasn't Joe Lanza trying to make this show not safe for work. You know, far be it for me to do that. So you can blame Rich for this one. Well, first so. off, if you're listening to this, like on your speakers at work, like you have, you have big issues, like get That's some headphones, you know, get some headphones, wait for the car. Maybe don't just blare this out at your cubicle. That might be a bad move, regardless of this story or, or, or anything else we say, because I yeah, feel so like we swear yeah. a lot and we, you know, and you said banged your wife like four minutes ago. So, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe oh, just hey, get the headphones. <laughs> Rich thought this would be a good bit. So I'm going to tell everyone the story. So um, I get a phone call about 10 minutes before we're about to, uh, not even 10 minutes, maybe two minutes before we're going to start the show today. And, uh, and I never answer the phone. We've talked about this. Why I even answered, I have no idea because it wasn't uh, a name programmed into my phone. It was just a random number. Rich, do you ever answer random never, numbers? Never, ever, ever. I let it go to voicemail. And if it's important, I'll leave a voicemail. And it's, it, yeah. again, when we talk about percentages, 99% of the time, it's not important. So yeah, no, I never, ever answer any of those. I felt like gambling. So I picked it up. You know, did, did, a, does your phone give like the region that it thinks it is like mine will say like Charlotte, North Carolina or something like that. Did this tell you what region it was or no? Yeah. And it, and it was the local area code. Too. OK, OK. So I figured, you know what? Uh, let me give it a crap. I'm going to get bank. It's a bank. It's, you know, I yeah, yeah. maybe somebody that you work with or say, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities there. It wasn't an 800 number or a weird area code. So I knew it wasn't like some kind of like solicitor or something yeah. or it was less I getting calls from a four digit number, which seems very impossible. But somehow uh, apparently it's like if, if you sign up for a domain name on GoDaddy, they find your your phone number and start calling you. But it's like oh. four digits. It's, it's so weird. And I can't even block it. because it's, it's a different four digits every single time. It's very bizarre. But yeah, they want to uh, host my website or something. I don't know what the hell, but. It's like when you get the wacky international numbers with the plus sign in front, like, mm-hmm. and then oh, there's yeah. like a thousand digits. Yeah, you never answer those. So, um, so anyway, I get this. I, I, I decide I don't know why to answer the phone. So I answer the phone, and I'm greeted with, "Hey, Joe, do you remember me?" Which is a bad way to start any conversation, ever. And I'm like, I'm like. No, I'm like, maybe if he gave me a name, <laughs> right, uh, you remember I, me. And th- there was no indication like 
Because you said when, when the answer was hello and then hi, Joe, do you remember me? Right. That was it. That was 100%. No, I just I said hello. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I go with the this is Joe, but I went with uh, hello this time. And they were just like, hey, Joe, do you remember me? And a very cheerful, <laughs> cheerful voice. And I said, nah, you, you got to work with me here. What's what's your name? And they were like, this is Cheyenne. And I was like, I don't think I've ever met a Cheyenne in my life. I got to be completely honest with you. I have no clue who this is. They gave me another name. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to change the names here. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, please do. So, so I was like, I don't know a quote Cheyenne. Uh, I've never met one in my life, but it was an equally goofy name to Cheyenne though. You know, Cheyenne's not exactly a uh, common name. So uh, I go, no, I've never, I've never met a Cheyenne. I'm like, how do I know you? And she was like, well, we were going to get naughty together once. Exact words. Okay. Naughty together. So I was like, I still not ringing a bell. I don't remember, uh, you know, wanting to get naughty with the Cheyenne. And then she goes, well, you banged my sister, Tiffany. Ooh. And, and now I'm like, I, now I'm thinking I should definitely remember this. Right? <laughs> the problem here is not this phone call. Now the problem is JL because if I was going to bang a Cheyenne and I already banged Tiffany, I should probably, and it's a sister. I should probably know who these people are. Right, Rich? Rich, I have no fucking clue who any of these people are. So I'm chewing on it for a second and I'm like, I got to be completely honest. I don't remember banging a Tiffany. Yeah. Why, why do I want to believe that this Tiffany is spelled with an I? The Tiffany's definitely an I, right? I changed the name, so it could oh. be. Oh. Well, see, because they, she said they were sisters, I don't want to give. Yeah, you could probably find that out pretty quickly. And I, yeah, I won't so lie, I've, I've been doing Cheyenne College Station, Texas searches the entire time you've been talking about this, and I haven't come up with much either. So. Yeah, because I, I figure I already said I get there was this area code. So if I use real names, people are going to go looking for sisters. You know what I mean? So there's no point. I'm not going to do that. So I just uh, used a ridiculous name first and then okay, changed the right, second. Right. So, I, so I'm like, I should remember if I banged a Tiffany and then was going to quote, get naughty with her sister. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, look, I apologize. I had some crazy days and a few years. And she goes, yeah, this was several years back. She says. <laughs> And I'm like, look, I had some wild times and I, I don't remember any of you. And uh, so I was like, well, what's the point of this call? Because now I'm thinking, oh, shit, do I have a disease? Am I a father? I was going to say kid. What, is- what I'm reading that is you have a two-year-old or whatever. You know what I mean? Like- yeah. Like what? So now I'm like, cautiously, what is the point of this? Yeah, you either have AIDS or a child is the only two possible things here. Which is yeah, not yeah. Yeah. Either of those are 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 are, are, are uh, you know things that I want, uh, and those would be very hard conversations to have with my uh, lovely wife. So um, I was like, "What's the point of this call?" And she goes, "Oh, I'm just horny, and I wanted to see if you wanted to fuck." <laughs> wow. And uh, <laughs> no, no offense, Joe, but you got to be a tough pull, you know, on her list. Like when we're talking, we're talking years, Joe. Years. years. Like you have to be pretty far down the list if if. I- Hey, if, you know what? what? Your name Shanny was it Chantel? What was it again? I forget. Uh, let's just say Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. You know, if 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 one Cheyenne. of those others you said were close to the real one, though, I got to tell you. you oh, really? Oh, okay. All just right. how um, I ended up using Cheyenne because I was like, I need. Oh, another. Cheyenne's not a real name. Well, then I'm doing terrible Google search. I, t- here. I'm didn't I just okay. tell you well, I changed I, the names. Well, I thought you changed Tiffany's name. I didn't know you changed Cheyenne's name as well. So I changed the name. So <laughs> Cheyenne. What kind of name is Cheyenne? Because the other name was similar to Cheyenne, so I just came to okay. mind. I don't know. It was equally ridiculous. So. Um, so I'm like this, you know, so she basically, I'm thinking exactly what you're just thinking. How low must I be on the list? <laughs> right, you've got to be 
like, like very she must be like, going through her phone. But here's the other thing. This was several years ago. How am I still on the phone? We didn't even fuck. Uh, supposedly we were thinking about being naughty and it never even happened yet. I'm still in this person's phone and they still know my name. And I was still call number eight or whatever it was as they go down their list because they're horny today. What a bizarre phone call. Yeah. Also, the call came at like, what, 5 p.m.? <laughs> like, yeah, really, 5 o'clock like, in the afternoon. Like, just go out and about. Like, if you're really like, I, I get it. Whatever. We all have, you know, our, our days or whatnot. Some but like, carnal needs. It's you know? 5 p.m. Like, just, you know, hit a bar, go out. Like, hit a bar. Like, go, <laughs> like, go on the scene. Right. It probably, I mean, like, I get, you know, the, the 1 a.m. Okay, look, I got to find someone. All right. Here's Joe. Let's see what Joe's up to thing. But 5 p.m., like, you can, you can do some work here. That, that's, you know, that's a little lazy. By, uh, Rich, I gotta tell you, yeah. I gotta tell you, if I would have got a phone call exactly like this at two in the morning, it would have been eighty percent less weird, because I could at least understand the mindset. Right, the someone. sun's still up. Like you know, some people are your neighbor's mowing his lawn, and she's you know doing the the booty call. call you know what I mean? Like at five p.m. Like no, she's making you up calls at five o'clock in the <laughs> right, afternoon right, yeah. to people that she's never met. I mean, I yeah, assume it's you know, hey, you got to shoot your shot. I like it. I appreciate. I appreciate the tenacity and the effort, though. That's pretty. Uh... I must have really impressed her with this. Uh, potential naughty meetup if if i stayed in the phone complete with the name i i think the i think the missing potential here is she needs to be on an episode of lands unfiltered you know what i mean like when i i think you should call her back and say hey look i'm not in you know i'm married now that's i don't know i i i don't know if you finished the conversation i suppose you could do that but well there's more open okay go go finish the story and then i think but i i think this is a great test subject for a lands unfiltered reboot just just to kind of get like hey look i've been where you're at i've been where you're at let's talk about it let's figure out the sort of the mindset that you have at 5 p.m with not making fun of her being like hey look i get it but i i admire her tenacity i admire her her you know the ability to to go nine deep into the phone, 10 deep into the phone and pull a guy from two years ago and see what could happen. I mean, I, I, at 5 p.m. on a week down on Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday at 5 p.m. and you're shooting your shot already. That's uh, I like it, though. I like it. And she was very frank. She's like, well, I'm horny and I was uh, wanting to know if you wanted to fuck. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, if this phone call would have came a year ago, I probably would have put off this podcast. You know, or, you know I'd have been like, all right, you know, that's this is like, you know, this is just sex coming to the phone. But I was like, listen, I, you know, I'm flattered that you that you thought of me, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested. And uh, she was like, OK, well, uh, thanks anyway and have a good night. And I was like, all right, too. And that was it. That was my conversation. Well, there's no way she remembers what you look like. Right. Like, does she, does she have like a list? Because I'm fascinated by this. This, I, I think you need to call her back or, or I got her text. And like, I'm fascinated by the entire thing because there must be a folder because like you can't just go up and down your list of, of phones unless it's like Joe fuckable or so. You know what I mean? Like in the phone, maybe you're like Joe dash fuckable or something like that. Cause that would be like, cause you know what I mean? Like it could just be Joe from work. It could be Joe that she knows from, you know, the, the, the I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you can know a number of people on your phone. Like I have a bunch of people on my phone that I don't necessarily remember. It's probably a guy I worked yeah. with many, many years ago. It might be a girl right, I right. went to school with in college. I, I did a group project with her at some point. Like, I'm not just going to be like, boom, Nicole. Hey, Nicole, what's up? Want to fuck? It's like, okay. Like, right, no. Like, 
No, she distinctly remembers that I was a potential hookup. Right, that's what I mean. So, like, a does she have like a photo in there? How did like how does she know that Joe dash fuckable or whatever? Or if it's just right, what Joe, you're saying is how does she even remember? Right, that you're like uh, yeah, and and you know it's many years ago. You could have went right. through many different things. Like you know, True. not to say things, but like a Nicole that I wanted, uh, you know, a hypothetical Nicole that I wanted to have sex with four years ago. You know, might not be a Nicole that I want to have sex with now. Like things change. You know, things are are, are different. So it might not be. But she well, had well, to. Here's have, the like, thing. If you're making you up calls at five in the afternoon, I'm not sure she cares. What <laughs> right. I mean. Okay. Okay. Um, but on a Wednesday, no less. But uh, but yeah. So I I but in all seriousness, I genuinely have no clue who these people are. Um, but I I don't I believe her because she knew my name. Um, she knew a whole unless well, is there's it no possible? Lie. There's no reason to lie about that. Is she confusing me with another Joe? Is she confusing me with someone thinking that I was the person who fucked her sister and tried to fuck her? But then again, how was Probably I on the phone then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're, you were definitely the Joe that she was looking for. So, But if I fucked this person's sister, I would have – that's a very memorable chain of events. I fuck someone and then I'm thinking about fucking their sister. Like I would remember something like that. So I must have fucked her sister and then – almost fucked her unbeknownst that I had already fucked her sister. Like they must know that they, that like they might must be aware that this same guy fucked one and tried to fuck the other, but I must not be aware that these were sisters, but what are the odds I would randomly run into both of them and try to fuck? I, this is just so bizarre. Why yeah, don't that, I That's what I'm saying. You got to call her back. I mean, I, I, it didn't work today and, and obviously you're not interested in, in that part of it, but you're interested in, in, in talking more. She's fascinating. You know, this is, this is a woman that you, you, you just, you know, you hang out, you get, you know, you get dinner with you and the wife and, and her, you get, you meet at a bar or something like that and just pick that brain because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. There's a lot. Well, I, I've opened up my, I opened up my old uh, hookup email. And, um, oh, there's some memories in here. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for the two names. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to see if I can come up with anything before this three hours is up, but I don't, I, I genuinely don't. Yeah. And it, see what, what's triggering a memory. And why that's interesting is because you are, you're sort of in, in, in some ways, like a lot of, you know, some people, especially the drinking types are like, go to the bar and that, and that's how, and I get yeah. that. Then you would just have random ass, but you have a paper trail for pretty much everything. Cause a, a lot of your has been, you know, digital, you know what I mean? Yes. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's categorized. It's not, you know, I was here and I found this and then I, you know, you know, it's not that like a lot of people have those. So that would make sense. Like, you know, if, if you had that, it, 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 you know, but well, you're, you're, the other key is I'm also sober. Right, so you should remember a little bit more of of, of these situations yeah. that come up. Yeah, that's yeah. So I'm I, I'm I'm gonna look here while we're talking, but I I, I hopefully I come up with it. <laughs> I have no idea. This would have been a, a lovely phone call to receive when you know in like 2014 or something. You know, or 2016. I you know I, I probably would have been all over it. I probably yeah, I was gonna say get a picture first, but. Um, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say pick the brain and then uh, but I'm just going to move on to another thing then instead of that. Um, Here's all the right. thing. She must be gross because I probably would have went through with it if you know what I mean? Like, why didn't I go through with it? Now I need to know that too. Like maybe I, Rich, I don't know. There's a lot. I, there's a lot could happen here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we might never know, but I think you should try to try to know. It could, she could have been any random tinder match that i said three words to right i mean 
But she, you then, have her number though, and she has no, your. No, she number. had my number. She has your number though. That's that is the important distinction here. It's true because at some point I gave her my number, and if it was just some random Tinder match that I wasn't into, I wouldn't have given him my number. Exactly. So that's so that's, she's that's she's, the smoking gun right there. The number. So she's, so she's bangable. <laughs> that implies that she's bangable. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, this is. Uh, well, you, you, see, I'm glad you told the story. You were going to tell this story to me off air, and I, I think we. we I, was. I think it's much better that it was done on air, and and I think now there are going to be people desperately requesting that this be uh, a lands unfiltered topic at some point. This this woman. I listen. If you really want me to call her back, I can. Do I, that. I think you know. I, I think for the good of. I, I just. I want to know. Like I'm more fascinated than maybe even you are because at least I'm not. You know, I, she doesn't have my number, but I just want to know. I just want to get into the. The psyche of it like I, I respect it i you know i love the hustle it's 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 interesting it it, it is it took a lot of balls to make a phone call the, right like i would never do that i would never in a thousand years find somebody in my phone not she must have notes like there's you know what i mean like there's got to be a note like you she's can't just roll up to a number and go hey want to bang and then and the no specific things about you joe lanza she knew about tiffany she or whatever there was she knew that's what i mean like she has to have notes in her phone that can't just be I, we just talked about it. I don't remember what I did two days ago. She remembers that, you know, all this stuff from two, three years ago. That's, you know, I, she's basically cold calling for Dick. Right. And then having notes about that, like, you know, knowing like, like the cold call, but like in terms of like old salesman types, like, Hey, how's the son doing? Like, ah, is he still playing football? You know, like, like right. she had that, like she had like, you know, the, the old school salesman would have his Rolodex and it would say, you know, son, football, you know, wife, you know, crafts or whatever. Hey, is your wife still doing crafts? Or what? You're like, like she knew that sort of stuff. She might have, maybe she has a Rolodex that we didn't think of that. Did we? She said, you came out to my house and you fucked my sister. <laughs> So apparently I've been in her house too. So <laughs> That's I what I mean. You got it. We got it. We cannot let Shani. What was it? I don't even remember what the name is. The terrible name that you gave her, but we can't let her go away. I said, um, what name did I give her? Cheyenne. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you made me do this. I, the only, unfortunately I feel bad. There is a Cheyenne that lives in college station, but he is a male and I don't believe uh, you had sexual intercourse yeah. with him. So, well, I didn't have sexual intercourse with this person. So, Oh, that's true. So maybe, awesome. maybe <laughs> it is this they never deal. Technically, they never said it was. Oh, this Cheyenne apparently lives in Chicago right now. So I can try to find him for you. But uh, so the one Cheyenne that it could be is a dude that lives in Chicago. Yeah, right? he studied at the user. He studied at Texas A&M, but now he's. Uh, um, oh, actually, he's very close to me. <laughs> I'm not going to go anymore on Cheyenne, but uh, he is uh, studying at a college right around the corner from my parents. So there you go. Yeah. Small world with the Cheyenne and your Cheyenne. But uh, OK, that was our. Uh, a little pre-show banter there. I'm glad we did that, though. I'm glad you didn't leave that uh, to the uh, the off-air. That was definitely something that had to be said on air. But uh, we have plenty of topics today. We got Triple Mania, Triple uh, Triple A's Triple Mania. I'll talk about that. We got All In coming up this weekend. All the stuff surrounding All In. We got the news of Pac and Neville that I know you're, you're anxious to talk about there. Uh, we got New Japan Destruction, uh, the key matches from that tour. We were going to talk about it last week. We ran out of time, but we have plenty of time this week. Uh, and then a little bit about OTT's uh, recent show. Uh, we watched uh, Walter and Devlin. Uh, you saw some other parts of the show as well, so we'll di- uh, dive into that. A really, really awesome match. And what I've heard uh, from a lot of people, I haven't seen the full show. I know you did check out most of the show. Uh, a really great show as well, so we'll talk about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, Joe, where do you want to start here? Because we have plenty of different ways to go. And one good thing, uh, no sponsor 
sponsors this week as well. This is a sponsor-free show, so that means we have plenty of time to talk to you guys. Uh, real quickly, though, just a few things. VoiceWrestling.com, of course, that's our website where we have all of our columns and reviews and podcasts and all that other stuff. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash forums. That's our discussion forums. Great stuff going on right there. Pocket Neville, really good discussion going on there about Pocket Neville and his next step uh, on the forums. Also, VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon. We uh, t- obviously talk about that. Joe and I do the Patreon, uh, but you can subscribe there. $2 and $5 tiers. We have all the details there at VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, and then, of course, uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash newsletter, our weekly newsletter that comes out on Fridays. Uh, basically, a, a digest of stuff that we posted over the week, stuff that you might have missed, podcasts that we had over the week, and then also some stuff that we liked, uh, non-Voices Wrestling uh, from around the internet. And then last but not least, uh, VoicesWrestling.com slash Amazon. All you have to do is go to VoicesWrestling.com slash Amazon. Any purchase you make on that site gives us a uh, bonus percentage. We get a little bit. You pay absolutely nothing different, exactly what you were going to pay normally, but we get a little percent back, and it helps us keep the lights on. Uh, you can of course, over the new Fire Pro game, I have it sitting at my desk right now. I have not had a chance to play it, but I'm uh, anxious to dive in there for uh, PS4 and the new Fire Pro game. And also Death of the Territories. This is a book that uh, got sent to us. I'm about halfway through it. Really awesome book. It's by Tim Hornbaker. Uh, really well researched. Really awesome dive into the death of the territories what you know the the vince mcmahon's takeover of you know professional wrestling and whatnot and and very apt today you know in, in these days because you hear a lot of people say oh well no vince doesn't care about ring of honor oh vince doesn't care about all in read this book vince cares because that's always been his business model and whatnot but you know it's not just a WWE hit piece this book it's very good to, good and detailed and talks again you know many reasons why the territories died not only because of vince mcmahon's you know competitive spirit which was a big part of it but they died on their own accord too they did a lot of terrible things that that you know kind of led their business to go around but uh death of the territories uh book that you can find there i can pre-order it on amazon also the new fire pro game and anything else you make uh, any other purchase you make i should say on voicewrestling.com slash amazon you buy it there we get a small percentage back and it helps us very very much so joe Anywhere you want to start. I mean, this is this is a weird week where we, where we have kind of one of those spread all fields weeks. And I don't know that any one topic supersedes any of the others. So whatever one you want to dive in with, I will let you take the floor. I am on fire to talk about Pac slash Adrian Neville. Right, I think we should start there because I have seen some of the worst takes I've ever seen. <laughs> Which is saying a lot because Twitter. And I, and I mean it. And I and Twitter I truly- has a lot of bad takes. So. There are some horrendous Pac slash Neville takes um, from people who just, I mean, they're just not using common sense. And I want to bring some common sense to the Adrian Neville discourse because there is none right now. People are thinking like fans (laughs) and not thinking like wrestlers who are trying to maximize their income and their earning potential and things like that. And it's just, it's just wild. But if you want to set up what's going on with Adrian Neville first, and then we can dig in and, and, and talk about the nuts and bolts of it. You want to approach it that way? Yeah, let's do that. Let's just, so for people that don't know, of course, if you haven't been following, over the weekend, Neville, who, who was in a long-term contract freeze with WWE, uh, was finally, uh, it's over. The contract freeze is over. After months and months, they finally let Neville get his release. He's, he's free to go wherever he wants. Uh, and apparently, from all the reports we've heard, that he's not tied down to any deal at this moment. So it doesn't mean that the second he got free, he signed on the dotted line for New Japan or, or Ring of Honor or whatever. He's, he's free, as far as we know. Neville, nothing going on. Uh, PW Insider, they did have a little report that uh, he was spotted in Pittsburgh, and that's the city where WWE does a lot of their medical testing. Uh, people were then curious if that means that he's going back or something like that. I, I don't know what to make of the Pittsburgh thing. I don't think we're going to get into that all that much. I think we're going to get more into the fact that he has finally been released from the contract and what we think his next step is. The, the Pittsburgh thing, and maybe Joe, maybe we can quickly touch on that. Does that do you do any? Does that do anything for you, or is it just maybe he was doing exit and, uh, exit 
medicals or something. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know the Pittsburgh thing. I, I just, I, to me, the story of him reach, spending this amount of time to try to get out of the contract, then resigning and going to Pittsburgh to get a medical checkup. That just seems a little weird. So do, do you buy into that or, or do you have any thoughts on the, the whole Pittsburgh thing that we've been hearing about? Yeah, I do. I think there could absolutely be smoke to that fire. And the reason being, I think it's that for the reasons that we'll get into as to why he decided to take his ball, go home and presumably not get paid uh, and and make this stand was uh, I believe he didn't want to be on the 205 live uh, sub roster. I believe I believe it cut into his earning potential massively. I think he knew it. I think that it's very I think it's possible since he was spotted in Pittsburgh that he talked them into ripping up his old contract and maybe he potentially signed a new one. Maybe he potentially signed a new main roster contract. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, they are in acquisition mode. We all know that. They've even publicly said that they're in uh, acquisition mode. Uh, I think the statement in the Observer a few weeks ago is they want to assign game changers and things like that. They don't want wrestlers available to the competition. We just saw with Matt Riddle. Uh, he gets an email from New Japan and he's signed by WWE literally a half hour later. Okay, they don't want uh, any kind of talent that could potentially be a game changer out there for other companies to utilize. So could I see a scenario where they finally called up Neville and said, look, let's work this out. Uh, Let's tear this baby up and we'll give you what you want. I could see that scenario. Uh, And if that's the case, uh, being that he's been gone for so long, I could see them making him go back and redo his medicals, especially if he's signing a new contract. So, look, I do think it's odd that he was in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I do think it, there's there's a possibility there that he took some new medicals and is signing a new deal. That is a possibility, okay. in which case the next half hour we're going to spend is a waste of time. <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. But listen, if they came back to him and said, look, uh, you know, let's work this out. Here's a more adva- advantageous deal. I don't see why he wouldn't take it. I mean, because that's why he was taking this principled stand anyway. Right. And, and I think that's that's important. That's an important distinction as well. I think we should we should bring up because we, we talked about it when Neville initially did the walkout and did, you know, whatever he was doing and, and about the 205 live contract and WrestleMania. It seems like a long time ago because it was a hell of a long time ago that this all happened. Maybe you want to catch us up on, on exactly what we heard that the beef was and, and, and the issue with, you know, Neville, the 205 live contract, the WrestleMania, the video game, all that sort of stuff that led in a lot of ways to this holdout. Yeah, well, I mean. The WrestleMania match against Austin Aries was the straw that broke the camel's back because that got bumped from either the DVD, the Blu-ray, or both. I don't remember the 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 details at this point, but it was definitely bumped from one, both, or or from one one or the other, or both. And the WrestleMania DVD is obviously the highest selling DVD of the year, and you make a lot of money in royalties if you're on that fucking thing. Right. So, Surprisingly, you might think that that's silly that it still does, but no, it, you still do make a bunch of money from that. So that is still something that's that's important. So you had that, uh, and then you also had Enzo came. They moved Enzo to 205 Live and put the title on him. So what does that mean? That means the one house show match that 205 Live gets is always the champion against whoever the current television program is. Okay, so uh, he was getting bumped from that spot because, you know, Enzo was taken over. They were going to build the show around him. This was before the regime change, and they handed it over to, uh, to Triple H and his people. So they were building 205 Live around Enzo Amore, which meant Neville saw the writing on the wall. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, I'm carrying this brand. They're bumping me off of DVDs. I can't get on the other pay-per-views to get on those DVDs. I can't get on the other pay-per-views to get on these shows. I'm not going to, you know, there's a strong possibility I'm not going to be working house shows anymore because Enzo is going to be working house shows. 
I'm basically going to be making my downside. This brand sucks, so I don't want to be on it anymore. Uh, so he decided, fuck this, I'm out of here. You look at 205 Live, and here's the problem with 205 Live. A lot of these guys are making, uh, you know, basically uh, they, they're on uh, deals comparable to developmental deals money-wise. Okay, their downsides are the lowest in the company. I call it the kids' table of the main roster because that's exactly what it is. Right. They have low downsides. Uh, like I said, only two guys at a time work house shows. So you don't get any extra income from house shows unless you're the champion or the person currently challenging the champion and you're lucky enough to be on the road. Right, which uh, is a huge and, – and, and that should be shady as well. And yes. we, we sort of we sort of like eye roll like, ah, nobody cares about house shows. But for these guys' contracts – and again, this is a big reason why a lot of us think that you know once these TV deals go down, it might be time for the wrestlers to say, hey, you know what? Like the pay methods are you know a little outdated here because one of the big pay methods for these guys is house shows. And that's why they yes. go on all these shows. And that's why they have so many of these shows and whatnot. People sort of look and go, oh, well, house shows are worthless. Why don't they even have them anymore? That's where those dudes make their money. That's where a lot of people make their money. They don't get cuts of TV deals. They don't even get, if I remember correctly, they don't even get cuts of WWE Network subscriptions. Their big money comes in merch. It comes in in house shows. Yeah. I'm going to go right down the list. They, they don't. If you're on 205 Live, you don't work the house shows. Right. Okay. So that's one that's, income there, slashed gone. There's residual income gone. Okay. If if you're if you're Aria Davari, you're never making house show money. Okay. Uh, the other thing is is uh, working the pay per views, which if they're lucky, they get a pre show match. One pre show match. If they're lucky. Okay, not even every pay-per-view has a 205 Live pre-show match, so you don't get on the DVD, you don't get on the Blu-ray, you don't work that that show that 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 very likely sold out. So there goes another uh, stream of residual income. Uh, a lot of these guys, Rich, still have pro wrestling tees stores, which the company allows them to do because they don't have merch. Most of these guys don't even have merch, so there goes a third stream of uh, of residual income. Uh, you go right down the line. All of the ways that WWE wrestlers make extra money on top of their downsides do not exist if you're on 205 Live. Okay, you and on top of that, they make the lowest downsides in the company. Okay, in some cases comparable to developmental talent. Now. <laughs> Do you, do you remember as well, real quickly, do you remember when, when they had a, a Neville t-shirt and he tweeted about how shitty it was? Because it was real shitty, by the way. If you look up like Neville atrocity, I think you'll be able to find it. It was basically Neville in like a, a very basic, you know, font and then King of the Cruiserweights in a very, very basic font. And he tweeted, this, uh, this atrocity is not on the Neville level. The King deserves better. And it was like half in character, but also probably, you know, you're disgruntled. Right. Like you would try to sell your T-shirt. You know what I mean? Like as opposed to him saying this shirt fucking sucks. I deserve better. That's not really the best way to sell your T-shirt. So you know, if even you're if you're trying to be enough, a heel, you know, you would still sell the T-shirt, but he was not. Yeah. And that's the thing. Even if you're lucky enough on that brand to have merchandise. Right, and he was, I think, the only I mean, yeah, Cedric Alexander's not brimming with merchandise or exploiting. Aria Davari is a perfect example. How much Aria Davari merch are you you're picking up at, Rich, the, they at the shows? Even, a lot of these guys don't even have them. They allow them to have pro wrestling T-stores. Yeah, right. You know, it's they throw the okay, and a lot of them get stuck working the Largo Loop. You're not making any money on the Largo Loop. Those shows draw 200 fans. Okay, I'm not even sure wrestlers get a cut from the Largo Loop. I don't know the answer to that, but I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. I wouldn't be shocked if that's not set up like the house shows are. They just give them busy work and send them on the fucking Coconut Loop. So, and listen, and here's the thing: a guy like Neville and a guy like Callisto and someone like Enzo. They at least presumably had main roster contracts and main roster downsides. 
Could you imagine how screwed the other guys are getting? Your Aria Davaris, your Lince Dorados, your your uh, whoever, Buddy Murphy, you know, yeah, people Grand from Metallic inside the system. Yeah, or Grand Metallic. You know, they just have these poor downsides and no opportunity to make all of that extra income. The video game, Rich, they have most of these guys don't even make the video game. And then it comes out that even the ones who do get into video game, they have special provisions in their contract where they don't get money from it. These guys are totally screwed. Right. So if you're, which is so a bad deal to sign, by the way, which is a shitty, and you should have maybe been better about signing your deal. Well, I want to get case. to that. Yeah. I want to get to that too because I do think here's the thing, and that's a great segue to the next point I was going to make. I do think if you're Arya Davari, two hundred five lives, great spot. Yeah. It's definitely more money than he was going to make bouncing around the Midwest, uh, you know, indie scene where he wasn't even a star. For a guy like that, I think two hundred five live is great. And, you know, I, he's probably making more money than he's ever made in his career. For someone like TJP, who very clearly enjoys being on television, enjoys being a, a WWE superstar, likes the fact that women are throwing themselves at him and all those sorts of things, and he, he seems happy, great spot for TJP. Rich, we talk about it all the time. Impact for years. People would laugh, but it was a great spot for people like Davey Richards. It was a great spot for Moose, who got a $90,000 a year con- you know, sometimes these places are it can be a great spot for one person and a bad spot for another. Right, the Hardys. About- we, we, we talked about that for a long time. Obviously, it's it's showing itself <laughs> very obviously again, you know, they're pat on her back, that the Hardys, you know, in Impact, they were able to be, you know, so impactful for them and do whatever they wanted and have a lot of their fun or whatnot. And here, yeah, obviously, they've been, you know, there's been different issues going on with the Hardys and, and, and Matt being transitioned away from wrestling or whatnot. But they had a sweet deal. And, and, and I guess they, I guess to an extent now they have hopefully Matt will have a job for life now, whatever with WWE. But he was another guy that when you looked at it, as far as an active wrestler, David Richards is another great example too. Those guys got benefits by being an impact and they were more valuable to impact and in a better spot in impact than they may have been in WWE, especially a guy like a, a David Richards. It's great that he because he was just, you know, come in for, a, you know, the weekend and do all this tapings and then go back and be an EMT or whatever, or go back and be a firefighter. Right. Right. Perfect for him. He could carry his other job and still be a wrestler. So it was, it was perfect. So, I do think they're all getting screwed on 205 Live money-wise. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't change my point. But I do think for some of these guys, it is a good place to be in their career. Someone like Buddy Murphy, he was on the verge of being cut. So 205 Live for him was a promotion. Now, if he's still there three years from now, he needs to uh, reevaluate where things are going here. But, but you know, there are – now, circling back to Neville, for a guy like that who clearly has designs – on being a big time professional wrestling star thinks he can be okay. Reinvent. You could clearly see when he went to two Oh five live, he reinvented his persona. He was into it. He had, he, you know, the King of the cruiserweights. He, he reinvented his personality. He was killing it. This was a guy who thought, shit, I'm doing a great job. I'm the ace of this little sub brand. Maybe they're going to get behind me now. Maybe, you know, th- this is good for me to take one step back to move one step forward. Cause I was going nowhere on the main roster. This is a guy who was already on the main roster who reinvented himself, who was getting rave reviews from everyone. Universal rave reviews for his character work, for his in-ring stuff, uh, for adding juice to that show. And then what do they do? They move Enzo there and they decide to build around Enzo. And then he sees himself as, fuck this. I am not going to be Lince Dorado or Aria Davari or any of these guys. And I'm not just happy to be here because I saw this as a potential step up. I worked my ass off. I did great work. I got over and they're not repaying the investment. So I'm going home. And I could totally see where he was coming from with that. 
you know, instead of maybe working uh, the 205 live show once a week uh, for weeks that he wasn't left off of it, never working on the road, never getting on a DVD, never working a pay-per-view, not getting in the video game, not having merch and not making any money above whatever his downside is. So if you can't see why this guy decided, fuck this, I'm leaving. And you, if you can't at least see where his logic was, I don't know what to tell you. I, can, I, I said it at the time and I say it now. I don't begrudge him at all for saying, I want out of this. And I think it was ridiculous that the company basically held him hostage for, a, for almost – it was very obvious he wasn't coming back. So let the guy go. Let him go. He's never coming back. And eventually they did. But I think you know, if they were trying to prove a point to the rest of the roster that you can't just knock it on the plane and show up to work and we're just going to let you go, they proved that point with Neville six months ago. They really let it uh, go way too long to me. But, uh, but here we are. Yeah, and uh, I, we, one thing that I was surprised about Neville too before before you get to your next point is that we didn't hear a lot from him either, which always was kind of interesting. And 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 I don't know. Yeah, it was it was, it was I, I'm just fascinated by that because more times than not, if a wrestler was in this situation, you'd probably see the tweets, you would see something. It, it was Neville just kind of did his own, and that's what sort of led to a lot of the mystery and maybe why we're there's still mystery about him, you know, appearing in Pittsburgh and all that sort of stuff is because we don't know. I mean, there was like one picture of him walking his dog or whatever, and that that's all we saw of Neville. We have no idea what you know he was up to or what he was doing or you know. It, 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 it was just really bizarre that this guy was kind of held hostage, but then also maybe to his benefit as well, he kept quiet. He didn't go out there and, and, and throw them under the bus and, and light them on fire or whatnot. He, for all we know, is was pretty silent about it and at least somewhat professional, but just was was opinionated in this and said, hey, look, I don't believe this is fair and I, I want out of my contract. And and the stalemate finally ended. But yeah, it was interesting that we did not hear anything from him that almost the entire time. And it wasn't, you know, he was doing shoot interviews or there wasn't any conduits or yeah, sources tell us that Neville is this, this, or that. You didn't hear anything about him. He was off the grid entirely for quite a while. So the bad take number one that I want to rip apart is I'm seeing a lot of stuff online about, well, he left because he didn't want to be a, he didn't want to work cruiserweight. He didn't want to be a cruiserweight. No, it has nothing to do with it. He didn't want to be on 205 Live. Okay. If, if, if the cruiserweight title was semi main eventing the pay per views and, and making all that residual income that we talked about, none of these guys would, would, would care who they, right. what do if they care who such the an obvious kid table? If, like you, you, the kid table yes. reference is perfect because it's like, hey, yeah. we're going to give you, we're going to pay you less. We're going to give you less. You're not going to get featured. We laugh about it all the time when this paper, when these nine hour pay per views go on. And the fucking cruiserweights are on like the pre-show. It's like, okay, well, you have this entire brand. Like, why not throw one of these brand paper, one of these things on the main show? But it is very much the kids' table. It is so little regarded and so, and it's not it barely promoted. It's just, and and not only the business ramifications of it, like you mentioned, but also just the promotion aspect of it. It feels very much like the second class to WWE, and that's that's different than being a cruiserweight. They could have a cruiserweight and have them have awesome matches on Raw and have awesome matches on pay-per-views, but it's very much. Us and them, them being these little kids at this two hundred five live thing that we have. They don't even they don't they're not even on Raw anymore. No, so you don't even get that exposure. But but my point is, if these guys were getting all of, or if they were treated the same as all of the as everybody else on the roster, or I mean, if they had their own cruiserweight branded pay per view the way the women are having in a few weeks, or, or they just they, they they made all that same residual income. These guys don't give a shit who they're wrestling against. All they care about is that they're making money. It has nothing to do is the, the only the, the only thing it had to do, you know the only thing that the cruiserweight thing had to do with him leaving was that the cruiserweights are treated like shit in WWE. It has nothing to do with 
he he didn't want to wrestle guys that weighed 190 pounds. It has nothing to do with it. it, it it's not. It wasn't the 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 weight class designation. It was the fact that the brand he was on. You don't make any fucking money. Okay, which bleeds into the next point where you, people are saying, oh, well, he wouldn't go here and work as a junior because he, he left one place because he didn't want to work. Well, if the <laughs> other place is treating juniors better and they're making money, he'll do it in a heartbeat. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. But I mean, we'll get to that in a second, because what I have here for you, Rich. Okay, if I was advising Neville, if he's listening to this show, what are the odds he's listening to this show? Um, 25 percent. How about that? Maybe someone who knows them will say, ah, these guys talked about you. You should listen to this, okay? So Neville, if you're listening to this, and I was your advisor, and I'll do this for just a small fee, even though I'm going to reveal it. Oh, I was going to say pro bono, but you're going to a little fee. I guess a little fine uh, fee. That's I mean, fine. I guess I'm revealing it for free anyway. So. <laughs> right, I was going to say you might want to just, yeah. The Neville plan a is dinner. a five-step Check me out to dinner, you know. It's a five-step plan. And this is exactly how he needs to play it. I've seen so much silliness, Rich. I've seen people say, oh, I'd love to see Neville in all Japan. And it's just like, <laughs> listen, I like all Japan. I subscribe to all Japan TV. If you think Neville should go to all Japan, I, I, you, you just, you, you're on another fucking planet. You're, what about you're, Dove Pro? A little Dove Pro action for okay? I mean, seriously. You know, it's was, like, I'm uh, sure somebody somebody gave us a dumb problem as, as a joke, but the all Japan ones were not a joke. That was like legit. No, I that, saw yeah. people legitimately having that take, and it's like, look, the, the guy's trying to make money. Okay, <laughs> they can't pay the guy, and it's low profile. You, you don't go to all, okay. I'm going to give you the five step Neville plan if I was advising the man. Okay, step number one for Neville, he's free and clear right now. The first thing he needs to do is work the big four or attempt to work. The big four promotions in his home territory over there in Europe. He needs to hit up RevPro. He needs to hit up Progress, WXW, and OTT. He don't need to hit him up because everybody in the world is ringing his phone off the hook. I don't think the Progress thing is going to happen, though. I now, mean, no, I, yeah, I'm going to get into that. Okay, right, because yeah. now you have to remember, Progress with the affiliation now, they might be off the table. Right. Okay? They're very punk but, rock, but also very <laughs> in WWE's pocket. So but something is more punk you, rock than, yeah, not then. But if they call you to work big shows, you go. And no, you milk sure. these. Look, and here's the thing. Here's what Neville has right now. It's a dried up indie scene right now, begging for stars. Rich, arguably the hottest name on the indie scene right now is Marco Stunt. Okay. Neville has some leverage. He's got some leverage here. He has, in fact, he has all the leverage. When Marco Stunt is a guy that's getting literally booked everywhere off of one match that he had for uh, Game Changer, you know it's a dry. And look, nothing against Marco Stunt, okay? It's nice to see people break through. But Rich, you understand the point I'm making here. If Marco Stunt is a red-hot name on the indie scene, what the hell is Pac going to be? Right. Two, all two of years ago, and, and no offense to Marco Stunt, but two years ago, Marco Stunt is probably not. When 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 Gargano and Ciampa and Hero and Ricochet and all those guys are still around and Keith Lee are, are still hanging around, Matt Riddle are still hanging around. And, you know, Marco Stunt's probably not a guy that's being promoted and 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 featured on numerous promotions all across the country. So yeah, that's that's what and that's nothing against Marco Stunt. It's I mean, I, I'm I'm enjoying it and I'm you know interested in seeing him at all in or whatnot. But yeah, it's 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 it speaks more to the the health of the American Indies right now that, that Marco is Stunt a- is a guy that there is a dearth of stars right now. And when there's a guy of this caliber released into the wild, his phone will is not going to stop ringing. Everybody is going to try to want to use this guy. And he also has another added advantage, rich. 
it's a it, it's it's hot right now to be a counterculture anti WWE star. It's how Cody has bred his butter. It's how this bu- it's how all in is existing. All in, all in is us versus them. Yep. And this guy has the anti WWE. I raged against the machine cachet that indie fans are eating alive right now. He will walk into any building for the first time, any promotion, and receive a giant ovation just because the, the perception that he stuck it to them and he won. So from the fact that there's a dearth of stars to the fact that he's, uh, you know, anti, you know an anti, he'll be seen as an anti-WWE guy who fought them and won, he can pick his, he can pick his shots, which is why I have this five-step plan. Plan one is conquer Europe. Okay, you're right. It's 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 probably doubtful that you know uh, that that he'll work progress, but he needs to main event the others, and he needs to go right to the top in the others, and he will, and he needs to hold them over a barrel and get as much money as he can out of them. Yeah, and there's fresh right. matchups too, which is awesome about it too. I mean, Neville. Absolutely. It, 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 about the last time Neville was in the any scene that wasn't NXT. And I mean, that guy was, uh, we, we kind of forget as well, the NXT run that he had, he was there a long time. I mean, he was in that system for a long time. So all of these people are in, in, in some ways, even if he did wrestle them prior, all have taken on new sort of personas and new, you know, weight and whatnot. But yeah, given that, given the cycling out of, of European talent, yeah, there, there's a ton of matchups for him to have that, that would be new, unique, fresh and, and, and draws as well that people would want to see. Number two. I don't know what side he falls on. I suspect I know which one. But the second thing he needs to do is pick a side in the Dragon Gate Shima War and work for one or the other. He's got unfinished business in Dragon Gate. He's got ties to Shima. I suspect that both sides would use him. That's a perfect spot to plant a temporary pole in Japan, in China, in that part of the world. And get some work. If you remember, Rich, people like Ricochet, people like Matt Seidel, when they got when they when they got released from contracts, or you know, when Ricochet got got away from Lucha Underground, when Matt Seidel was released from WWE, they went back home to Dragon Gate to work a tour or two. They didn't stick around forever, but they went over there. Uh, they returned. They made some money. They usually welcome these guys back with open arms. Now, if his ally is Shima, you can simply substitute the stuff that he's got going on in China. So that's number two. I think he could easily slip in back into that world where really that changed his career. His career trajectory was changed when he worked for Dragon Gate. So he, that, that's number step two in the plan. But that's not your permanent destination. Yeah. That's a pit stop. I, the thing with step, I don't know that there's a ton of benefit for him right now with step two. That, that's where you're going to have to sell me as the advisor of why here's am I going the, to Hong Kong with Shima and his guys or whatever. To that, make money. That's the benefit. To well, yeah. And but, to make money. Okay, that's the benefit. I, yeah, that one, to, that one I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in love with, with step two. I think step two you could skip and still be fine. If you don't think he's working somewhere in that Dragon Gate slash Shima system, I do think you're nuts. Okay, I think we'll he's see, got roots we'll there, and I, I I do think that would be a side. I mean, but you don't me but the fan. Stop. I would love to see him there. But if I'm the if I'm Pac, I'm Neville. I'm the I I don't I don't know that there's a a, a ton of benefit for for step two. So I uh, whatever I will we'll see. I'll, I'll hear on your other steps. But step one is a no doubter. Absolutely, 100 percent. Go to Europe, conquer that. That wasn't 
an option when he was coming up. That And that's a big reason why I think he made his mark on Dragon Gate and made his mark in Japan or whatnot is because that European scene wasn't what it was, what, what, what it is now. Now I think he can, I, I truthfully believe this, that he could probably stake his flag in Europe and just do Europe stuff and be fine and also do some stuff in, in American Indies and whatnot and, and, and maybe New Japan or whatnot. We'll get, we'll get to that in a bit. To me, I don't know that step two is necessary for, for Pac in 2018. I don't know that step two is very beneficial for Pac right now in 2018. A few years ago, Dragon Gate, yeah, but I, I don't know. To me, step two, the Dragon Gate system, the Shima, I, there's just so much turmoil there and there's so much not going great in that area that I don't know that there's a, a, a huge benefit for him going there. So I don't know. We'll see. I would love to see him there, you. of course. I would love to, of course, see him there, but I don't know if there's a ton of benefit for him going it there. Get you back on the scene. It generates some buzz. Ricochet and Matt Seidel use it to their advantage. Yeah, but they, that was a different drag even, even a few years ago, even two years ago when Ricochet used it. You know, even a few years ago when Matt said I'll use it. I, I to me, Dragon Gate in 2018 just does not have the cachet that it had in, in, in 14 and in 12, 11, or even two years ago, even a year ago. I think 2018 Dragon Gate is a very different world and, and especially Shima's little thing. So it's, I don't know about I don't know about step two, but but I think he's got I think he's got roots there and I think he has a relationship with Shima. And I think if these Chinese money marks, if he if if Shima convinces them to give him a shit ton of money to work a couple tours, work on top, listen. He's clearly a benefit to Shima. Oh, for sure. And he's not going to turn down a payday. But I just mean, if I'm looking at maximizing all of my stuff and, and, and figuring out, like, I don't know that it's necessary. If that, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't turn it down. I wouldn't turn down the check if it came. But I just don't think plan two is absolutely this, something he has to do. If these, if these, Chi- if this Chinese promotion wants to throw him big money to be their top guy for, for two months, uh, he's got to take it. I mean, he has to. Oh, sure. Oh, no, absolutely. No, no, he would. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm kind of dubious now, on, on, on that whole. If he didn't have roots in Dragon Gate, they wouldn't be part of the plan. Okay, but he's got roots there. So I think it's going to happen anyway. So you pick you figure out which side and and you you stop in for a cameo. That's all I'm saying. The next step is you let Ring of Honor and WWN fight it out and bid for your services. And you signed a six month contract. Nothing more. You do exactly what Marty Skrull did. He signed a short-term deal with WWN, walked out at the end of it in the middle of a push. Remember, he beat Tim Thatcher at the peak of Thatcher and Skrull, and, and he left in tomorrow, and everyone thought it was a giant mistake. Remember all that, Rich? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were here. We, I, everybody plus us. We thought it was a mistake, too. I will admit I thought it was an absolute mistake. And then he signs a six-month deal with ROH. And what does he do? At the, and, and by the end of that six-month deal, he's ingrained in the Bullet Club. He's got, a, he's got more leverage every time at the end of these six-month deal. And guess whose contract is coming up with ROH again in a couple of months? Marty Skrull, who signed another short-term deal and for the third time in a row has more leverage than the time he did before because he's a bigger star than the last time he signed the deal. Marty Skrull carved the path. Now, you got to get over. That's part of the deal. It doesn't work if you don't get over, okay? But if, I'm, I, if I am Adrian Neville, okay, you know they're both calling him. You take the, 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 you take the deal with the company that gives you the best deal over six months, nothing more. You do not sign anything for a day over a six-month contract, and then you either go to Ring of Honor or WWN, whoever gives you the most advantageous deal. What I wouldn't do is go to Lucha Underground or impact not on a deal of any length lucha underground will hold you hostage forever you stay away you stay as far away from lucha underground as you can you don't go there okay and i don't want to go to impact either maybe a shot here or a shot there but i don't spend a significant i do maybe what cody did with impact 
at maximum. Yeah, because, people forget about that. I, I kind of forget about the Cody impact run this as well. Is why, yeah. If they want it, look, if, if, if Don Callis calls you up and says, you know, I want to give you a crazy amount of money to work uh, one set of tapings in a pay-per-view. Okay. Maybe it's too good to turn down, but I don't plant a flag on impact because in the early stages of this guy returning to the scene, you don't want to overexpose yourself too fast. That's only going to drive your price down. I stay away from impact. I stay away from MLW. I stay away from Lucha Underground. I let ROH and WWN fight it out. They will give you a con- and but take this nothing more than a six month deal. Mm-hmm. That's step number three. I think similarly the WWN thing might be out as well. It's similar to the progress thing that there might be enough. I don't know the bad blood. I don't know the level of bad blood. But but if I'm WWN, I I don't know that I'd be allowed be. to do you that. Could be and, right. that. And that could be the could issue. Be right. That could hurt a little bit of the leverage too. And this is what we talk when when WWE kind of sinks their teeth into these other companies and does it in this weird way where it's not necessarily we're buying you out or doing something, but just kind of like, you know, progress who should all by all accounts be already on the phone level might be like, eh, you know, and this is this is why we talk about why it's probably not a great idea, you know, <laughs> why you should be rooting for other companies to be competitive because wrestlers like a Neville will get more leverage if WWE does not have their teeth sunk into a WWE on or teeth sunk into the progress or whatnot. Because that already we talked about a few companies here that that you know american leverage between ring of honor and wwn he he might not have that leverage and that's why it's not very healthy for wwe to be able to just kind of do this sort of stuff and that's why we you know as 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 wrestling fans root for other companies a ring of honor uh, if all in became an actual thing or whatnot or, or, or these other companies that's why we root for these other companies to survive because then it's better for the wrestlers look at neville right here if neville said hey i don't want to go to europe i want to you know wrestle in america he's already limited if wwn kind of gets a hey you know you can sign neville but eh, yeah, I wouldn't sign Neville if I were you type of thing. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily an explicit don't sign Neville, but a, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe don't like that's, that's not healthy for wrestlers. And that's, that's another reason why we bring it up all the time. So step number four, work the super indie circuit and then work about 15 shows, WrestleMania weekend and make, uh, you know, uh, five figures. AEW, come to AEW. God damn it. <laughs> He's, you know, you work the super indie circuit. You go to AEW. You do PWG. You do Warrior Wrestling if they want to throw a billion dollars at you. You work them all, okay? So you do. If Wrestle Circus comes back, you let them overpay you and put you in a five star hotel and fly you first class. Do the Super Indie Circuit. That's how you generate buzz for yourself. Uh, that's how uh, y- y- you become a commanding name on the indie scene. And then at WrestleMania weekend rolls around. You work every fucking show and, uh, and and you make a gazillion dollars WrestleMania weekend. And then step number five. By this point, Rich, we're talking what? April, May. He will have been out there for seven, eight months. Okay. The newness is gone. He's worked for everybody the first, second, and third time around. His price is coming down a little bit because he's uh, so far removed uh, from being the hot name on the scene. Step number five, and how convenient is it, just timing-wise, you sign a contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling and you win the best of the Super Juniors. It's perfect timing. You don't sign with New Japan now. You don't walk out on a destruction show. You don't shoot your load that fast. You take those other four steps first and milk every dollar out of every other promoter on earth that you conceivably can. And then just as you're starting to cool off is when you sign with New Japan. And right after WrestleMania weekend is right when they're gearing up for best of the Super Juniors. It's perfect 
timing. And then he goes into New Japan and Super Juniors and either wins the thing, but you know he's getting a mega push. You know he's not going to – if they sign him and put him in best of Super Juniors, he's not going three and five with six points. Okay, he's either winning the fucking thing or he's going to the finals, but you know he's getting rocket packed right out of the gate. That's the play. And here is awful take number two that I see a ton of people making, a ton of people who have no clue and no understanding of of, of what's going on in wrestling if, if they really think this is the case. There's a ton of people saying, why would Pac go to New Japan to work as a junior? The junior division is, is booked so poorly. How stupid is that take? You're looking at it like a fan. You're not looking at it like a wrestler. Do you think Pac gives a shit that your New Japan fave isn't being booked the way you'd like them to be? Do you think he really cares? Yeah, he really that cares Kushida that Bushi, yeah, that Bushi a, is yeah. in this tournament. Oh, Bushi's in this tournament? Forget this. You know, you know <laughs> as put he shreds aside the, the contract, f- as he shreds the contract. Wait a minute, <laughs> Bushi's in your title tournament? <laughs> like, screw that. Put, put aside the fact that the New Japan juniors aren't booked to your personal sensibilities. I don't want to argue with you about that. If you don't think the New Japan juniors is a well-booked division, that's your that's your opinion, and it would be a waste of my time to argue with you. There's facets of it that I don't like, but I'm going to tell you why that it's a no-brainer move for this guy to go to the New Japan juniors. I would counter that it's an extremely well-booked division for wrestlers. In fact... Rich, at the end of this segment, I will make the argument that New Japan books their juniors better than any other promotion on earth. And I will back that up with homework and I will see if you can counter me. But first, I'm going to tell you why for thinking as a wrestler, it's the right move to go to New Japan, even as a quote unquote lowly junior. And I don't want to hear shit. Oh, well, he didn't want to work junior in one company. We already addressed that. Okay, it's not. It, I'm going to tell you why you would want to work yeah, junior. He'll work a junior if the, if the cut, uh, the check gets cut. You know what I mean? Like he, he's fine being a junior. You know, that's that's probably not the issue. But yeah, go ahead. Well, Rich, the juniors in New Japan, okay, they have an entire tour to themselves where they headline every show. What other company on earth has that? Give me one. <sighs> yep. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, no, yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, Let's yeah. look at them all. WWE, we've already discussed 205 Live. They're treated like second-class citizens. Um, we just watched AAA, Triple Mania, and the Cruiserweight title match was on the pre-show. Uh, you want to talk about All Japan. When's the last time a junior title match headlined a big All Japan show? Yeah. A couple times a year, New Japan juniors headline. They have their own tour where they headline every stop of the tour. Uh, who else? Uh, Noah. Uh, you know, the juniors don't headline Uh, uh, impact the X division. uh, You know, they treat them fairly well. Do they headline ever? Um, uh, You know, so come up with from time to time, but yeah, not much anymore. Okay. So that's number one. Also in new Japan, uh, junior title matches very often work second or third from the top. Again, somebody give me, this other major company where that's the case. Yeah, fourth from the top of Wrestle Kingdom as well after, you know, Jericho and <laughs> Naito and Okada and two years in a row and two or three years in a row on the poster, fourth from the top. Yeah. At Wrestle Kingdom. Give me the other company where the junior title match is the semi main event a couple times a year. Give me the other company in the world where the junior title match headlines once or twice a year. Give me the other company where the juniors have a, a six-week or whatever it is, three-week tour with a big show at the end where they headline every show. Okay? So this nonsense 
that people spout that New Japan doesn't care about the juniors and doesn't book the juniors well. All right, maybe you're right, but they book juniors better than anybody else in the world. Okay, uh, you headline a couple shows a year. You work second or third from the top if you're in a title match uh, multiple times a year. Um, and, and look at this. There's real legitimate upward mobility if you're a New Japan junior. Uh, and, and I can give you receipts for that. Rich, Prince Devitt. Rich, Kenny Omega. Is there a better example of upward mobility as a New Japan junior than Kenny Omega? He came into the company and all these same goofballs who were telling you that New Japan doesn't book juniors well were, were – they were busy focusing on chainsaws and, and, and spray down the and, – and, and, and ass matches with Taguchi while this show was telling you that Kenny Omega was going to be a headliner for New Japan someday. So he paid his dues as a junior for a year and now he's arguably the biggest non-WWE star right. in the world. The Bucks, a, the Bucks are a, a, an example as well of guys that started as junior and they became now they're just, you know, they completely changed the entire. I don't know you're talking about singles juniors or whatnot, but yeah, the, the Bucks saw that same upward mobility as well. So you don't think someone like Pac, you don't think someone like Pac sees this. You don't think Pac sees the path that Prince Devitt took under the world's worst Booker Gato, who doesn't pay attention to juniors. You don't think he sees the path that Prince Devitt took. You don't think he sees the path that Kenny Omega took. You don't think he sees the path that the Bucks took, okay? On a lesser extent, newcomers get rocket pack pushes in the New Japan Junior Division. You don't think Pac sees what Taiji Ishimori got last year when he hustled Noah, backdoored his way into New Japan, and immediately went to the super ju- to the uh, best of the Super Junior Finals on his first tour in the company and headlined three shows along the way. You don't think Pac sees that? You don't think Pac sees Yoshinobu Kanemaru be a veteran journeyman in quicksand? Can't pay his bills working for All Japan. That's a fact, by the way, when they were struggling. Jumps to Noah, uh, you know, is involved in the middle, goes to New Japan. The junior tag team titles have been, uh, have been uh, you know, built around that guy since he's got there. Okay, Marty Skrull and Will Ospreay come to New Japan as juniors and immediately raise their profile, immediately get pushes in New Japan and win the title. They will push you if you are a hot newcomer. How many more examples do you need? So you want to sit here and tell me that New Japan juniors are poorly booked? You expose yourself as having no clue what you're talking about. They couldn't book their juniors any better from a wrestler's perspective, which is what matters here. You're going to sit here and tell me that, ah, Kushida hasn't had a big match in six months. Nobody cares. You go to New Japan as a junior, you get pushed. You go to New Japan as a junior, there's a chance they move you up and you become a legitimate heavyweight headliner. Prince Devitt and Omega right in front of you. That's what matters. Not the stuff that bothers you as a fan. Mm-hmm. Not because your fave isn't getting pushed right now. I came on this show and complained that Will Ospreay didn't get pushed for a year and a half. I hear you. I get it. I'm not telling you the New Japan Junior uh, division is booked perfectly. 
because it's not. Well, yeah, we spent a, we spent a lot of time in the show complaining and 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 begging, you know, Cato to let somebody else book it because there's times where we feel they doesn't give it a ton of what? effort. I'm so finish that point. But here's the other thing: Do we know that Cato books it? I know yeah, that we has, don't. We, that's neither here nor there. Okay, but I understand he's the lightning rod. But you know, usually in New Japan for years and years, somebody else booked it. It was Liger for many years. Usually the big guy didn't worry about that. Ricky Choshu wasn't worried about the juniors. So do we even know that Gato's booking it? But that's neither here nor there. But the point here is, look, we know that they very rarely do any kind of junior program that isn't revolved around the title. And that's a problem. Okay. It wouldn't kill them to do a couple undercard junior matches. They never do that. We complain about that as hard as anybody does. We complain as hard as anybody that if you're not involved in the title scene, you're basically in witness protection. We complain. Rich, do we not complain about that? Did I not rant about Will Ospreay for you? How they were wasting one of the biggest stars in the world by doing nothing with them? Look, of course. Yeah, this I goes back the to the uh, Mascara Dorada days as well. Mascara Dorada, perfect yeah. example. Did nothing with him for a year. Totally missed the plot with that guy. Okay, and we were and we were front and center leading that charge. Okay, I'm not saying it's booked perfectly, but this idea. This narrative that's been floating around for years and years that New Japan doesn't know how to book the junior division, you're exposing yourself as not having a clue. Because not only they've elevated main event wrestlers from their junior division, and it's been part of the of the elevation of those wrestlers. Prince Devitt dominating as a junior, they parlayed that into a heavyweight main event push. His final best of Super Juniors, he swept it. And then they moved him up. Kenny Omega started him as a junior. He's now the biggest star in the world. That doesn't work for WWE. So you think wrestlers think that? Do you think, do you think Willow Spray, despite the fact that he didn't have a meaningful match in 18 months, thinks that he's in a poorly booked division in New Japan? He's working main events in New Japan. Every summer, he works seven main events, and then he works three other semi-main events over the course of the year when he's champion or when he's challenging for the title. You're viewing it through the eyes of a fan. It is not a poorly booked division. And Rich, I contend that even with its warts, it's the best booked junior division in the world. And if you don't think it is, give me one. Counter it. Counter my point. All of the things I just laid out, no other company is doing that with their juniors. I am willing to bet. I am willing to bet that juniors in New Japan headline more shows than any other company in the world. Give me the company. You could combine any other two, and I bet you New Japan juniors headline more shows. And I'll give you, you can combine two. I mean, what are we doing here when we're saying this is a poorly booked? You don't this again, Rich. This always comes back to this. People just don't understand what 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 book what good booking is. You don't understand the process and you don't understand the job description if you think it's a poorly booked division. When Hiromu is a champion or challenging for titles in that company, he works semi-main events. 
Right. And I, I came on the show many times before, and I mentioned it in reviews as well, that, that I fully believe. And, and again, this is me just sort of extrapolating or whatnot. But I fully believe that Hiromu, you know, had his injury not happened. I don't know exactly if this is going to change the trajectory, but he felt to me very much like a guy that will. And, I, and again, you can find my written reviews where I mentioned this or columns or whatnot, where he to me felt like a guy that was on the precipice of being a main eventer, regardless of what division he was in. Like he, they, there was going to be a time where Hiromu was going to transcend weight classes and just be a fucking star. You know what I mean? Be the one of the top guys in that entire company, regardless of if he was a junior, if he was a heavyweight or whatnot, whether he was holding the, the junior heavyweight championship, whether he was going to move up. But but again, like I think that point and then the point that you mentioned as well with, with Devin and Omega, guys that we saw start as juniors and then move up to the next division. And I don't know if it takes like it, it doesn't take, a, you know, a, a scientist to kind of figure out or, or you know, a, 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 you know, any sort of genius to figure out that. Look at look at Prince Devitt, look at Kenny Omega and then look at, at, at Neville. Like, you know what I mean? There's there's similarities there, Joe. Right. You know, they, they you know, have many things that are very similar. So to think that Neville doesn't look at the precedent of, of those two guys and say, ah, you know what? I can go here and I can move up and I can move up this ladder and I can do different things regardless of that. Even if he doesn't think that he can move up that ladder, which he should and he 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 would move up that ladder. I mean, Styles is another great example as well. A guy who who and, and we assume that. And, and again, I think one of the things as well, I'm kind of bouncing in different ways here as I'm sort of thinking it. We also assume that Neville would be brought up as a junior. And that's I don't know is necessarily, you know, I, I don't know that. Like, I don't know if they don't look at him and go, holy fuck, if he's the same big Neville that we remember and say, fuck, this guy's a this guy's a heavyweight. Who cares? You know, he I, could yeah. absolutely come in as a heavyweight. But what I'm saying is if he, he comes in to. as a if he's coming in as a junior, that's a that's a great career move. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Rich, even if he doesn't ascend the way that Devin and Omega did, what's the worst case scenario? You work a bunch of matches high on the card against stars, against Hiromu, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, Kushida, Taiji Ishimori, Jushin Liger. Those are big-time matches against stars, okay? I'd rather work New Japan Juniors against that lineup of fucking all-stars than heavyweights in other companies. What's a better career move? Going to New Japan and working those juniors we're going to all Japan. I mean, honestly, what's the better career move? And working main event. I, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You don't go to Noah. You don't, you don't stay. You, like you said, you don't go to Dragon Gate in the state that it's in. You don't plant your flag in Dragon Gate right now. Working New Japan Juniors is the next best thing for him of working New Japan heavyweights. Right. Number one is working New Japan heavyweights. Number two, if WWE is not an option. Number two is working New Japan Juniors. It's the second best place in the world to be. And you're fooling yourself if you don't think it is. Right. And the, and the biggest benefit, of course, from and, and you you would still get that from All Japan or what I, I don't even know why we're just needed All Japan thing. But you know, the, the best thing, too, about, you know, going into New Japan and whether you're a junior, whether you're a heavyweight or whatnot, is still the ability to do, as you said, phase one, if you want. Like phase one doesn't have to go away now. You know, you go to New Japan and, and, and become a, a junior star. You can still do a lot of it. You can still go to OTT. You can still go to, to Rev Pro. You can still do stuff like that. Oh, I mean, obviously, Rev Pro. Hey, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you're in Rev Pro. You're in Ring of Honor and Rev right, Pro. Exactly. Bingo, so, right, exactly. So you, you have those other additional things where, yeah, if you sign with the WWE, that's it. You're WWE now. If you sign with uh, certain other companies, maybe even if you if if he's into the WWN window where WWE says, or, you know, maybe WWE just says to progress or, or, or WWN, sure, you can have Neville, but hey, Neville, you can't work, you know, this, this, or that. The, the New Japan, there, there's no restrictions there you can do the rev you can do ring of honor you can still do so many other things do indie shows you know there, there's a lot of stuff that opens up if you're in new japan so yeah that that's where it's obviously you know, when everybody looks at this anybody with a brain looks at that and goes yeah well that's the that's the best route i mean it's the place where you make the more money you get the most exposure and you don't close any doors very few doors are closed by you going to new japan 
doors are no, even, and by the way, in some ways and, and more the way, open. Yeah. Yeah, and they've expanded to the United States and they're I mean I mean sure. this idea that 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 Neville winding up as a New Japan junior is a poor career move is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And it's everywhere. I mean, you just you're not you're not thinking critically. You lack common sense if you truly believe that. It's absurd. Stop thinking like a fan because you're mad at someone's push and think like a wrestler and think like a business person. The stars are in New Japan, particularly in it's, – it's, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to come up with a more star-studded and stacked junior division in wrestling history than what New Japan has right now. They have an opportunity to have matches against these people, high-profile matches. And like you said, it's a door to RevPro. It's a door to Ring of Honor. It's a door to CMLL. And it's a company that has six straight years of growth. I mean, I, I mean, I'm reading some of these takes, Rich, and I'm just shaking my head. It's just clueless. It's, it's total cluelessness to the scene. And it's totally clueless. It's like, are people paying attention to what New Japan does with their junior? Are they paying attention? Or are they just focused on, I like Bushi and he doesn't get pushed hard enough? I mean, is that really it? It's silly. It's silliness. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, look, assuming he's not in Pittsburgh, re-signing a reworked WWE contract that's more beneficial to him that, look, if, if, he, if he talked to them and said, hey, look, I'll go back, I'll come back and I'll even go to 205 Live, but I want to guarantee that I'm working house shows. I want to guarantee that I have merchandise. I want to guarantee that I'm in the video game. I want to guarantee that I'm uh, on the DVDs, uh, you know. And they gave it to him. Good for him. Because that becomes the only step in the play. Then do it. Right. That's the best deal. That's no doubt the best deal. If he can get back in there and say, hey, just give me a main roster thing and I'm good, you know, with this. This is fine. You know, and, and maybe yeah. even like, you know, maybe even you open the door for, hey, you're doing that NXT UK thing. I'm, I'm down for that. But just, you know, pay me, exactly. pay me like a pay me like a main roster guy. And then I'll I'll do whatever, because that that's that's the best move for sure. Yeah. But um, assuming that's not the case and it could be, um, you know, uh, there's my five step Neville plan. Which uh, and, and the and and just this absurd idea that New Japan Juniors, um, you know, are, are look. Even if you think it's poorly booked, again, present me the company that books their juniors better. I, right? It's a, it's yeah, just you a can make the question. argument. You can make the argument that it's the tallest midget, and and that's fine. I, I I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't totally disagree with you if you said it's the tall, you know, the New Japan Juniors right. is the tallest midget or whatnot. But you know, it, it's still it's a very tall midget compared to the other ones. So that's that's where it becomes kind of a weird thing there. Because because I get that. I get the idea that maybe you think that all juniors are booked kind of shitty uh, uh, across the world, and 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 I wouldn't hundred percent disagree with you on that. But it, it yeah, it's hard to disagree that 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 New Japan isn't the best booked. You can. You could not think that it's well booked. There's a difference between best booked and well booked. Like you can say, I don't think it's sure. well booked or whatnot. And, that, and I don't know that I would necessarily argue with you because that's also your opinion. That's also what you sort of think and whatnot. Exactly. But to not say it's the best booked. And again, with the caveat that that might be, you know, a, a, a small list or, a, you know, a, a, you know, a small bridge across or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I think it is without a doubt because of the idea that it is up there, like you said, or like I said, fourth from the top at Wrestle Kingdom, main eventing shows has an entire tour devoted to it and the upward mobility. I think that is one of the biggest things. The upward mobility is thing that we we sort of take for granted in, 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 in a lot of Japanese promotions and in, in, in especially in America as well. You just don't once you, once you are tagged a cruiserweight. It's one of the issues that we had when 205 Live was announced. They said, oh, we're going to sign cruiserweight. We went, ah, that's kind of weird. Just have like a show where good wrestlers have good matches. Like the idea that the second that you say these are cruiserweights, it likens back to WCW, where we talked about on last week's show with with the Vianos and, and with Rey Mysterio and, and Juventud. A few of those guys were able to kind of move up a little bit, but the second you were a cruiserweight, 
it was like, ah, fuck, like that's yeah. death. You're done. You're dead in the water. And, and unfortunately, that's how it is in a lot of places around the world. And in, in Japan, it's sort of historically in, in some ways a, a leveling off point. And, and few guys have been able to pop up. Your Jushin Thunder Ligers, you know, of course, were, were able to pop up for a little bit. But that wasn't met with a ton of success. Like your Kentas and Marifujis, we talk about all the time how we wish in Noah many, many years ago, they just would have said, hey, fuck it. Kenta and Marifuji are our guys. These are our stars. Let's go with it. They did for a little bit. Business didn't go well. And they, they immediately kind of went back to, you know, not necessarily juniors, but but definitely at, at you know, some sort of kids table or whatnot. So it's been an issue in, in, in wrestling for years and years and years that the second you're designated as a junior, a cruiserweight, a light heavyweight or whatever, that there's a certain level that you're going to go. But of all of those companies and all of the history of, of wrestling in recent history or, you know, of recent vintage, uh, New Japan is probably the one that books them the best. And, and again, you can you can disagree and think that that's, you know, they still aren't booked well, but it's hard to argue that they're not booked the best out of everyone. Especially, especially from a wrestler's point of view, there's evidence of upward mobility all the way to the fucking top. A guy is now the biggest star in the world who started as a junior. And there's also evidence that if you come in with any semblance of a name or if you come in with uh, if you're hot at all when you come in, that they'll push you. You'll get an opportunity. And that's what wrestlers are looking for, an opportunity and a chance to make money. And there's evidence that New Japan gives you that. Because even your Ishimori's and your Skrulls and your Osprey's and your, even right down to your Kanemoros, they came into the company and got pushed. They didn't mire in, in, in the mud. There's this idea that you just work a bunch of eight-man tags and you never – all these guys got pushed when they came into the company. Because they came in with some momentum and a name. And now some of them are world are worldwide main eventers and, and, and huge stars. From a wrestler perspective, you're not worried about poor booking in that division. You're, you're frothing at the mouth to get in. You're hoping they have a spot for you if you're this guy. I would be. It'd be foolish. Uh, you'd be dying to get in. And, and on top of that, you get to work with all of these with, with, in the greatest junior roster in the world. So if you're into having great matches and, and that sort of thing, you have that too. You're definitely going to have high profile matches. Just such silliness, right? It's just absolute silliness. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see where he lands and, and, and how it happens. You know, he can give me a call and I can lay it out for him. And if he does what I tell him to do, he's going to make the most money and, uh, you know, maximize his opportunities. And, uh, and away we go. So that's that. So we'll see uh, what goes on with uh, with Pac and Neville. But it's interesting. Uh, real quickly, and, and this might actually lead to our next topic, but uh, percent chance that uh, some sort of Pac Neville something or another uh, shows up at All In this Saturday. I think, okay, assuming he didn't resign with the Right, right, right. We'll assume that that Pittsburgh thing was just a red herring or whatever. He was in Pittsburgh visiting a friend or something. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Then I think he would, um, if he was offered a spot, which I'm sure they offered him, because they have their finger on the pulse. Say what you want about all in. Say what you want about the Bullet Club. Those guys have their finger on the pulse. Well, yeah, I don't know if you saw it, but they, uh, they, the Bucks tweeted out a picture where they were just at a store and there was a Neville figure and they're holding the Neville figure, you know, stroking their chins. You know, just the, just the, they, that's all it was. It was just a picture of them holding a figure, stroking their chins. That's all. It, it wasn't saying, you know, anything if, else but that. But that was enough to get people started talking about it. If I'm all in, it's a no brainer. You, If he wants to do it, you let him do it. And I got to tell you, Rich, if I'm Ring of Honor and he agrees to it, he wins that battle royal and beats Jay Lethal. Because that's going to get you instant attention, instant buzz, and then you figure it out from there. I mean, why not? I mean, literally go all in with it. Fuck it. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, that's a buzz generator. Guy comes in, first night on the Indies, wins your title on a huge show that already has a ton of attention on it. 
you know, uh, Ring of Honor could use that to their advantage. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's fantasy booking nonsense. But yeah, I mean, I, I think if they can get him agreed to that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a chance. Do you buy any of the idea that you don't need him because you've already sold all the tickets and it's already on all that sort of stuff? That's true, but but you want to have a buzzword now. See, they already sold their tickets, but now you need to deliver and have a buzzworthy show. Sure, yeah, I think I think that the tenor around the show, if 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 it's whatever show, they, we we have no idea. We'll talk about it here in a sec. If if all in is whatever it is on Saturday, and then it is whatever it is, plus Neville wins a fucking battle royal and wins the ROH title. I mean, the difference of you know the the yeah. the, the talk about it, the the replays, the, the that sort of stuff, the, that that is going to grow a lot. I mean, Neville, whether you agree, whether you think Neville is whatever, that's going to be a buzz thing that is something that if, if, if unless his price is so astronomically ridiculous that you're going to lose your ass on it then you would a- absolutely 100 and, and i think you could sell it to neville as well hey look we're doing this thing it's obviously it, it, it falls in line with a lot of what you've been trying to do assuming this pittsburgh thing was a red herring or whatnot it falls in very much in line of us versus them you know come here and and yeah maybe we can't pay you what you're going to get at in, in, in ott maybe we're not going to pay you what you're going to get in ref pro new japan or whatever but you will get immediate you jump back onto the scene days later and the buzz is going to be off the charts. You're going to get Listen, all this it, sort of stuff. That, that's, that's that you take, that's a loss leader for, for Pacquiao. And Absolutely. It's yeah. not, this isn't, yeah, this is a, this for, 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 for Pac. I mean, this is just a, you're not doing this show for the money. You're doing this show because it's the, right. the best I'm way. Back. To back onto the scene. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. Boom. If I'm Pac, I would do it for free. If they told me, look, I, I'd be calling them. Look, and if they said, "Look, we it's we don't have any more but it knows that you know they would pay him. But if they said, "Look, we don't have a spot," I'd say, "I'll do it for nothing. Just get me on this show and put me in a high-profile spot." But the key for all in now is now that they've sold all their tickets, they've got you know uh, from uh, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna broadcast the show. They've got it. They cut a deal with New Japan World. Now the key for them is to have a great show or a buzzworthy show or both. You can get away with not having a great show. Rich, the Janela shows are not great shows, but they're buzzworthy shows, okay? That's why they do such great repeat business. They're not doing great repeat business because you're seeing five-star classics. They're doing great repeat business because they're fun and they're buzzworthy. So All In has to tick at least one of those boxes, okay? Because that way, if they do plan on doing another one, They've got that cachet. Oh, the first one was a great fucking show. Or the first one was, oh my God, Pac showed up and this happened. And it was, just, you have to have one, the other, or both. So, to, you know, long winded way back to answering your question. Yes, if you can get Pac to show up, absolutely. I mean, there's no question. And it would be mutually beneficial for the reasons we just laid out. All right, so uh, you want to transition to All In since we uh, yeah, touched on them? Yeah, so let's, let's talk about, of course, uh, this Saturday, All In uh, going on uh, from the Sears Center, Hoffman Estates. I will be there live, so I, uh, have some, we'll have plenty of coverage as well because uh, I don't know if I can 100% announce it, but yeah, we'll have plenty of, uh, plenty of coverage that day uh, and that weekend. So you definitely want to check uh, voicewrestling.com and at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Also, the Voice Wrestling Patreon. I might do some stuff on there. As well I, don't even know, I don't even know what Rich is teasing. I don't even know what he's teasing right now. I, I might have a chance know. to talk to some wrestlers before and after the show. So that, Oh, well, listen to Mr. Big Shot here. Yeah. Right. How about that? Basically, I'm just going to sit by Brian Alvarez and <laughs> Dave Meltzer and talk to them the entire time. No, I'll say, but no, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have, of course, yeah. Behind the paywall, my friend. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. 
voicewrestling.com slash Patreon for all that. But uh, yeah, obviously all incoming in this Saturday. I'll mention some stuff about the events uh, after uh, the stuff that we're doing. If you want to meet up before or after the show, if you're coming to Chicago uh, for the event, for StarCast, all the other good stuff going on uh, throughout the weekend. But uh, the show itself, we haven't done it. We, we, we kind of, as the show has been going on, doing a little previews here and there, but I think now we can do just sort of the, the extensive preview, the the whole thing of, of what the show, we have all the announcements, we know everything that's going on. Uh, to pre-show, this is of course the zero hour, the all in zero hour that is going on in WGN America. America. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You probably have it. You probably don't know you have it, but you probably have WG in America. I know that the all in Twitter account, and I know the Bucks retweeted this. They have a channel finder as well if you need to find it. But again, like I always hear these people are like, I can't find it on my station. Like, I don't know about you, but my my remote, I could just say something and it just fucking goes to the channel I want. Or it's so easy to search for something now that I don't need to know that WG in America is, you know, 91822 or whatever. You know, who fucking cares? Like, just I just say WG in America and it pops up, and I'm sure you can find it. Uh, but uh, this would be a good time to find it, uh, <laughs> you know, over these next few days, uh, which you have WGN America because you got the zero hour that's kicking off uh, an hour before the actual show starts. Uh, you got two matches there, the Briscoe Brothers uh, versus SoCal Uncensored, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. And then the over budget Battle Royal. And now here are the names that we have for the over budget Battle Royal so far. Um, and Joe, I'll ask for your predictions. I, a lot of the stuff, I don't think we need to predict this show because, who ca- you know, it's it's a one off show. So it doesn't really matter who wins a lot of these. There are some matches that I think we can sort of say or, or, or assume who is going to win. But yeah, regardless, more, more times than not, the predictions aren't going to really matter all that much. And we're mostly wrong with our predictions. So you shouldn't care all that much. But uh, as far as the over budget battle royal, your um, your entrance, you got Jordan Grace, Moose, Rocky Romero. Colt Cabana, Ethan Page, Brian Cage, Billy Gunn, Jimmy Jacobs, Marco Stunt, uh, Brandon Cutler, and Punishment Martinez are the names announced by the time we are recording right now. Joe, any of those names I mentioned, do any of those strike you as winners, or do you think the winner has either not been announced yet or won't be announced until uh, the match happens and won't be announced until he kind of comes out as a surprise? Yeah, I think the winner is going to be a surprise wrestler. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, I did the uh, preview at voicewrestling.com for all in. I think the winner, I mean, t- to me, the most obvious person is a Flip Gordon uh, comes out. You know, he's obviously been doing the book flip and the all out and all that sort of stuff. Flip Gordon strikes me as the guy that's the most obvious to, to win it in the non Neville division. If Neville says, hey, I'm available and I want to come on your show, then you tell Flip, hey, buddy, we'll, we'll, we'll tell this story another day. Neville's winning this fucking thing, right? Yeah. I mean, the other thing with Flip, the only thing with Flip, though, is he's hosting a viewing party about an hour away. Um, so, I, you know, now I'm starting to think maybe he really won't be on the show. Even, <laughs> Which would seem really weird if, like, book flip, flip, flip flips on on the show and then Flip just doesn't ever show up. But like, you know, you know the geography better than me. I mean, he's doing no, that. He, no, that thing is fucking far away, dude. Yeah, that that wherever I forget what what theater that's in, but that is nowhere near the <laughs> Sears Center, especially with Chicago traffic. Like, he would have to if he did this if if he won the battle royal. And had to go back to this viewing party. Like he'd show up maybe the second the viewing party started, and then he'd have to, of course, do the other title match, and he'd have to leave. Like that would be a disaster uh, to show. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. That is that is a good point that you bring up. But no, no, where where that viewing party is is nowhere fucking near uh, the Sears Center. So yeah, that that would be weird. The other thing is, it just in where he is right now in the Ring of Honor booking, it would be weird for him. Um, it's not a good time for him booking wise to win the title. No. And I think in, in my preview, I said that he maybe could win the rumble and then just lose, you know what I mean? Have like a hope spot and Jay lethal just beats him, you know, so that, that makes it maybe a little bit of sense to me, but and like I'm not said, really in love and I'm not really in love with that either. Honestly, no, no, it's not great. He's obviously a guy that they're building to be a future star there. And, and I, I think that I don't have any, I talk about it on TV reviews all the time. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. They have to have, he's the closest thing to a homegrown guy, him punishment, Martinez, people like that, that they have. Um, but I don't think it's the right time for him to lose a title match, and I don't think it's the right time for him to win a title. So from that perspective, um, 
no, I wouldn't do it. Plus, I think now that he's doing this viewing party thing, I really think he's not going to appear at the show unless it's at the tail end of it. If he leaves halfway through that thing and just does an angle at the end or something, but um, I don't think we're going to see Flip. I, I, I don't. But I yeah, guess if, yeah, if the, anyone from that viewing party can let people know that maybe he leaves early or something, then obviously he's going to show up. But um, they're advertising him and they're charging people money, so he has to be there. <laughs> Pretty penny for that viewing party as well. So, uh, yeah, that's um, it's interesting. Yeah, the viewing party thing is 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 bizarre on a lot of levels. I don't quite understand why. <laughs> but whatever. Hey, if you want to go and, and have fun, you can't get tickets to it. It's it's a great opportunity to kind of go and hang out with people. But uh, yeah, it's not very close to the arena at all. But yeah, that'll be uh, interesting to see. So he's he's my prediction because it just makes the most sense booking wise. But the, the, the viewing party definitely throws a wrench in there. I did, I did not think of that. And, and I guess I, I, I should have for that. But uh, yeah, of the other names announced, I mean, none of the other ones jump out at me like Jordan Grace. I, I think there's a zero chance that that she goes on and, and faces G lethal for the ROH show because, you know, a lot of this all in is, is one off and we say, but there are certain things like the ROH world title that's not something that like that guy that's going to be in that title match or that guy or girl or whoever it is is going to be you would assume is somebody that that matters to ring of honor that has some sort of cachet with because they're not just going to have their title be defended against some random person you you know like i suppose they could do a comedy match or something i really don't know it's it's tough to predict um yeah and that's that's one of the guys i was going to say because i mean moose is there but i there's no chance in hell that moose is going to be there uh rocky romero i mean maybe they have rocky romero come out and in sort of a gimmick and whatnot maybe he does that cole cabana seems like an okay case that, that maybe you have Colt win this thing and that makes sense it being in Chicago he goes and then he doesn't need to win the, the, the ROH title he could obviously lose in another hope spot so so Colt's a guy that I give a little minor percent chance to uh, Ethan Page no chance in hell Brian Cage I think no chance in hell Billy Gunn I mean I guess if you really want to go heavy on a comedy maybe but I feel like that's pretty low that that could happen uh, Jimmy Jacobs I don't see the path there Marco Stunt again I don't think Ring of Honor really wants Marco Stunt going for the world title but uh, Brandon Cutler same thing and Punishment Martinez you don't want the Punishment Martinez Ring of Honor title shot to come from this you know so of the guys announced so far i don't think any of those guys other than maybe a coke cabana strike me or maybe a rock romero comedy spot strike me as any guys that have any potential so i don't think the guy that's one is necessarily named yet and and i'll be honest i don't know if they know who's going to win that thing quite yet i mean there might be some moving and shaking that's going on over this weekend to figure out who's going to be that and and obviously they have the the two bears and the, the bears can be anybody and that's sort of the fun thing with the the, the bernard and and whatever the fucking the other bear is or whatever is that you can have anybody come out and, and be the bear and that sort of be the story oh yeah it was always this guy or whatever so that's where they've sort of in, in in some way been smart about the bear stuff is that you can always sort of have a surprise be one of those bears and maybe the whatever the fucking bear is he wins this or whatever i i don't know i have no clue uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes though but it will be uh uh presumably rich. the main event of the zero hour rich you're putting way too much thought <laughs> i know i'm so sorry <laughs> this is yeah. just for the ring of honor title on a random match on the show i know i know i know okay well, let's get to the actual show itself um this is going on, of course, this is going to be on fights. It's going to be on pay-per-view. Uh, also, the announcement made uh, that once the show is done, once the show has completed on Saturday night, that New Japan World will have it up as well. And, and did they say that it's going to be the entire show or just the New Japan match? I know the announcement got tweeted out. Did you read the whole announcement? I don't know that I actually read. I read it. I mean, so. it looks like it looks like the whole damn show to me. Okay, that's well, that's fuck. That's great. You know, I, I, to me, like the reason I, I I'm sort of questioning that is because if I'm like you, you know, some of the guys, I'd be like, hey, you know, maybe don't do that because like if I were you, you know what I mean? Like, say you're not going to be home on a Saturday, I, you know, you you would just plop in. You're paying nine bucks a month for New Japan World, perfect. Like, I'm not going to buy this paper. You all just stay away from spoilers on Saturday night and watch it Sunday morning or whatnot. So I th- I find that kind of interesting because I always thought there was a real big. There's a lot of crossover fans. Yeah. That you- own New Japan World that would order this. So, yeah, I agree. Um, but listen, I, I have no idea what the arrangement is. What if New Japan is paying them, you know, sure. 
X amount of dollars for the rights to it, then yeah, then you sacrifice, you do the math and you say, okay, we sacrifice a few pay-per-view dollars because we're making it up on the other end. I, I don't know. I would need yeah. more information. Yeah, I, I have no idea as well either. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And I think this is a show that obviously I think if, if you have the choice, you're probably going to want to watch it live either on, you know, Fight TV or, 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 or pay-per-view or whatnot. But I, I mean, I guess if you're some of the, somebody who's like, hey, look, Saturday night, hey, well, I, I, I'm not either going to be around or whatever. I can just wait till New Japan World. Or you're maybe a guy that says, hey, I look at this card and there's nothing that really blows my doors up. I'll just wait for it to show up on, on New Japan World. So so it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I still think live viewing is probably going to be the way that a lot of people are going to go, but but it has an extra caveat. It would make me, if I wasn't going to the show, I would, I would think about it. I really would think, hey, look, I can wait till after the show and, and get it up on New Japan World. And, you know, you know, I already paid the nine bucks for New Japan World. I might do that. So that's an interesting thing there. But uh, yeah, as far as the actual show itself, uh, matches on here again, like I said, we don't have to do extensive previews and predictions because who the fuck, I mean, it's kind of a one-off show. But uh, the uh, four-way match, we have a women's four. We got Madison Rain, Britt Baker, Chelsea Green, and Tessa Blanchard. I think it's a mortal lock that Tessa Blanchard wins this match. Are you with me on that, Joe? I have no clue. Yeah. I have no clue, and um, I don't think it matters. I mean, like you said, I think predictions in a lot of cases with a lot of these matches don't really matter. Um, so, yeah, I have no fucking clue. But, yeah, if I had to put odds on it, I'd say she's a favorite. Yeah, Tessa, she's the most pushed of all those and the most affiliated of all those. So, yeah, it would make a lot of sense that, that, that Tessa would win there. Uh, we have Jay Lethal versus the over-budget battle royal winner. As we said, it's hard to know until you know who he's going to face. So we'll just move on uh, after that one. Christopher Daniels and Stephen Amell. Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, did you watch this week's Being the Elite at all? No, but I heard Daniels cut an incredible promo. Yes, Daniels was great because, you know, Amel's in the ring with Cody. Uh, I think Amel, this is like his personal ring that he has or whatever. It's in some warehouse somewhere or whatnot, I think in Las Vegas or, or something like that. And Daniel shows up and just basically says, you know, you should watch the promo because I think I'm not going to do it justice because Daniels does an incredible job. But essentially just, you know, hey, you're, you know, you're having your fun and training and doing this. But, you know, I'm, I'm this is me. This is my profession. This is what I do best or whatever. You know, you can have all your fun and, and do whatever. But, you know. You're, you're in the ring with me, I'm Christopher Daniels or whatnot. You know, you're having your little fun. You're, you know, a Hollywood guy, you know, training here and there. This, you know, this isn't my little, I'm not fucking around here. This is, this is my life and you're gonna have to train a lot harder to reach me. So it's just, it, again, watch the promo because I think Daniels does an incredible job of it. And yeah, the build has been pretty fun with this uh, through the, being the elite. And, and we talked about it a few weeks ago is that when the announcement was made that Stephen Amell, of course, you know, TV actor from Arrow or whatnot. I, I don't watch Arrow, so I don't really give that much of a shit about him being in this match. But the idea of him booking him against Daniels makes all the sense in the world because Daniels is the pro's pro. I mean, that is a 20-plus year veteran, a guy that can carry a broomstick to a three-star match. So I think I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with the Mel here, and that's what's going to be the intrigue of me. Not necessarily seeing, oh, my God, the star of Arrow on a wrestling show. To me, the intrigue is, okay, what is Daniels going to be able to do with this guy, and what's he going to be able to lead him through? And that's a Mel isn't your run-of-the-mill celebrity. He's a guy that really does take this seriously in a lot of ways so i think he's going to come in decent shape and come you know having a, a good plan of what he's going to do but still daniels is the perfect guy to book him against because daniels you know is going to lead him to something pretty uh, pretty impressive i had no use for amel in his wwe match i have no use for him here but i completely agree with you he got good reviews for his match in wwe he does take it seriously um, and yeah, the perfect guy on this show. Your number one pick on this show to work with him would have been Christopher Daniels. So I think they did a great job. There. As far as a prediction, I think to me, again, you know, in terms of a mortal lock, 
I think Amel beats Daniels, right? I mean, that that's your Hollywood headline is, is Stephen Amel wrestles and defeats. Rest, you know what I mean? And Christopher Daniels loses is nothing. Christopher Daniels, his career is not altered in any way by losing to a Stephen Amel. But the, having Stephen Amel win, I think, is the the obvious choice here because you want those Hollywood headlines. You want to be on TMZ. You want to be on, on Entertainment Tonight and all that sort of stuff. So I think the, the, the easy plan is to have Amel win this. And I think Daniels doesn't lose anything by doing that either. Yeah, I mean, I could, uh, yeah, I, I could understand that, sure. Yeah, and he's kind of the chicken shit heel now as well with the SoCal Uncensored. So I think it works. I mean, all the all the recipes there for for, for Daniels to lose. Yeah, Daniels, so. you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, Joe Janela, Hangman Page. Now I put in my preview that this I think is the sleeper match of the show, and I understand why there's some apprehension there. I get why people look at those two names and go, ah, whatever. As we said a few weeks ago, this could be a match about people's dicks. This could be Joe Janela humping the air, Hangman Page with his fucking noose, talking about how big his dick is. Like it could be that match. It 100 could be that match. But I think if these guys go out there with the intent of having a good match and with the intent of, of, of delivering something, you know, really good. These guys can deliver because Joey Janela is, is is doing so much better now in the evolve window, and we're seeing that he's more much more than a stunt guy and a deathmatch guy. And Hangman Page over the last year has improved tremendously, not just in New Japan. Obviously, that helps a little bit, but in terms of Ring of Honor, in terms of the other stuff he's been doing around the around the world, Hangman Page has gotten better. I mean, noticeably better in ring. So I think if these guys are serious about having a good match, and and I have no reason to believe that they're not. I mean, all the build in, in being the elite has been more of them having a serious match versus them having a comedy match. So if they go out there with the intent of we're going to go out here, we're going to deliver, I think this really is the sleeper match of the night, and it could really exceed expectations. They turned it to, a, I don't know if you saw this, it's now a street fight. Oh, I did not see that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So that then, okay, that 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 I think to me that improves it. It eliminates the possibility of of a lot of comedy. I think. Right, right. You don't you're not talking about your dicks when you're hitting each. You know, yeah. I I, I think that that is a, a definitely a benefit. Where do you where do you stand on this match in terms of of it media I, I, I think it I think it could be one like you said. It, it it has the potential to be the best match on the show. Um, you know, if it's taken seriously and they go out there and. So, so we'll see. I think in general, people are being way too hard on the show. I don't know what people were expecting. Yeah, I don't know. As I, as I kind of did the preview, because I initially said, ah, yeah, I don't love the card. And I'm doing the preview. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, the worst match on the, on the, on the, the, the main show to me is between Daniels and Amel and maybe Aldis and Rhodes. And like, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's not bad if that's your two worst matches, right? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not viewing the card like that, though. I mean, I do think there's going to be two or three matches on this show that'll probably wind up being great. And I do think there's two or three matches on this show that are just going to be, eh, that wasn't for me. And I do think the entire show is going to be a crowd-pleasing show that's a lot of fun for the 10,000 people there. I really don't understand or get why. I mean, I don't view this, you know, I made the comparison already, but I don't view this entirely differently than a Janela show in terms of what my expectations were for lineup and, and those sorts of things. It's just, um, I, I really think it's taking far too much of a beating. I think some of that is from people who are going to beat it up either way. I think some of it is people who just, I don't know, they had the wrong expectations coming in, I think. And maybe it's because this was almost exactly the kind of lineup that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why I'm not put off by it. Again, I don't think it's some kind of great lineup on paper, but I, I, I don't think it's nearly as bad 
as as people are making it out to be. Yeah, and I think when this when All In was initially announced, and when they started kind of naming some of the names, and and I know you remember us doing the show, we were saying, and, and I was saying that I was going to buy a ticket regardless, and I didn't necessarily care what was going to be on the show, and that you know, to, to, again, that might be for better or for worse, that might be something that's that's a negative, but I just wanted to be there, and I think there's a lot of the people that bought the tickets, and I think if you bought a ticket expecting to get a G1 level show or some incredible super indie show, you probably made the wrong purchase because I always was of the intent of hey, when I'm buying this ticket. I know regardless of whatever's going to be on the show, I just want to be there. I just want to have fun. I think it's going to be a show. Like you said, a party. I've always likened it to a party. This is 10,000 people partying and saying, hey, oh, my God, we did this. This is fun. Now let's have, you know, let's let's have a three, four hour party. And, and anything else that I got above that was gravy. And that's maybe me coming in with the, the expectations that I have. But, you know, when you sell a, 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 a building out that quickly, I think this is better than we I, I would have expected. To be honest, to me, I thought when that thing sold out right away, oh, shit, you're just going to get all right, cool. We're going to have the bucks in a six man with Cody. And da, 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 da. like, this is a better show than I thought on paper that it would be. And yeah, there, there's some warts in there. No, it's not a perfect show by any mean, but I think, you know, given what this event is supposed to be, it's not supposed to be a super indie super show with snowflakes flying from the, the building and amazing matches here and there. I never expected it to be that. If, if some I. of these matches I, over I, deliver, I'll be fine with that. I, I'll be fine. If Okada and scroll fucking rules. I'm fully expecting Okada scroll scroll to be a comedy match with a bunch of umbrellas and all that sort of stuff. If it delivers, I'm fine with that. If Mysterio and Phoenix and Manito match, we're going to talk about in a little bit. I think that match is going to be good. If it's really, really good, again, that's to me. There's a lot of gravy. You know, there's a lot of extras if this match is good because I bought my ticket, understanding, hey, look, I'm going to be there with ten thousand other people saying, oh my god, they sold ten thousand tickets to an indie show. That's really cool, and it's in my backyard, and I have to drive twenty minutes for it. Of course, yeah. I'm going to buy my ticket. Of course, I'm going to go. Of course, I'm going to have fun because I'm going to be with my friends hanging out and all that sort of stuff. So to me, that was always my expectation. Again, should I have higher expectations for shows? Should I want them to deliver more? Maybe. Yeah, maybe I should. But I always expected this to be a party. I always expected this to be a four-hour jerk-off fest. I, uh, hey, look at the Bucks and the Cody. We sold 10,000 tickets to an indie show. Go look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. I expected that. That's fine with me if that's what it is. I never went in expecting anything more than that. And I think I got more than I expected when I saw the end of this card. Yeah. I mean, I, I never thought they were going to try to put together a super serious snowflake show. I never thought that was going to be the case. And what you have here, that six-man match looks like it can be bananas. Kenny Omega Pentagon was the best possible main event they could have put together. I don't know what people were expecting if they don't. What, what other match with the talent that's on here would have been a big – because not, they're not doing Okada Omega. Okay, they're not – New Japan's not going to sign off on that. With what you have on here, that was the best possible main event, sure. or unless you want to do Okada Pentagon. One of those two matches, either Okada or Omega versus Pentagon. That's a very interesting match. Janela Hangman Page could be really good. Uh, I think the Briscoe brothers against uh, SoCal Uncensored on the pre-show could be very good. The rest, we'll see. Okada Skrull, depends how they play it. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I think you're guaranteed to get two or three matches that are really great. And you're probably going to get some stuff that doesn't land with everyone. But... You know, I do think they're going to – this is going to be a show that pleases the crowd that's there and has enough good stuff to make everyone else happy. For sure. People that are genuinely open-minded to being happy. If you're coming into the show to hate watch it, well, then, yeah, you, you're, you know, have fun ragging on it for three hours. But, you know, I, you know, I do think it'll deliver where on paper it looks like it will. Uh, some of the matches we mentioned, uh, you, you alluded to it, Okada and Scroll. This is one that um, I had always expected. Again, I, I just mentioned it, that I expected this one to be a little bit more comedy. And, you know, Okada is going to hit the Rainmaker and then Scroll is going to get the umbrella and flap his wings and all that sort of stuff. 
I don't know, man. Watching me in the elite this week, scroll cut a very serious promo and said, you know, I'm not fucking around on Saturday. This is, you know, this means a lot to me. So I don't know. Maybe scroll's gonna go in here and, and be serious. And if that's the case, fuck, I'm ready for this because that match is gonna rock. Like, you know, we were also head. yeah. Here's the thing: we were also told directly that we put this show together with uh, with the idea in mind that uh, that we wanted to put people together who were wanted to work with each other. I'm I'm phrasing that very awkwardly. Sure. But you, right. Did did it, did it come across making sense? What we were told was, hey, a lot of these matches we put together are people that handpick their opponents because they want right. to. Right. It's not there. like, hey, Marty, uh, Okada. And he's like, ah, whatever. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> you know what, you know what right. I mean? Like, not like, uh, who's left? Okada. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'll work Okada. Like, yeah. No, it, it, it was an obvious intention to have, you know, some in some cases, it was, hey, I want to work with this guy. All right. Let's do it. You know, I think I can go out there and have a great match with this dude. This can be unique. And, and then, you know, it came together from there. So if this is one of those scenarios where, where Marty got in the room and said, hey, guys, listen, I, I will make concessions another, but I want Okada. I would love to have a singles match with Okada. I've never had one. I've got great ideas. Then they might go out there and kill it. You know, so th- there's always that possibility that Marty Skrull sees this as a career defining kind of or a career highlight sort of match where sure. – you know, against a guy that he admires and wants to go out there and, and have a great match against. And if that's the case, I do think they could have a great match with each other. Yeah, I totally changed my mind that being the elite this week on this match. I was like, holy shit. OK, all right. Well, maybe we're doing this thing. So that's uh, that'll be pretty cool there. Uh, a few more matches that we've mentioned. Uh, the Rey Mysterio Phoenix and Bandito versus the Golden Elites, which is, of course, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson and Kota Bushi. I mean, Jesus Christ, I just listed all those names. I mean, even if Mysterio is, is half-assing it because he's on his way to WWE, who cares? Mysterio could fall out of the ring in the first minute and never come back. Phoenix Bandito, the Bucks, and Kota Ibushi. The Bucks are running this show. Kota Ibushi's Kota Ibushi, and the other two guys are Phoenix and Bandito. This is going to fucking rule. Like, look, Mysterio is the worst guy in this match at this stage of his career. He did not look great the last time I saw him in New Japan. Like you said, he might not be out there you know, having full effort. or I just don't think he's physic- physically capable anymore of uh, keeping up with, with God, but there's no way that this is bad because the young bucks do not have bad matches. If you like their style of match, they do not, they are incapable of having bad matches. And when you put them in there with Kota Ibushi, Phoenix, who, who another guy who never has a bad match and a, and a guy like Bandito, who's making a name for himself and is a hot knit. There's no way this isn't great. I just, I can't accept it. All Mysterio has to do is show up and be charismatic. That's what I said. Mysterio has to come in, get knocked out, be charismatic, hit a 619, and he doesn't have to do anything else in this match. Those other five of the six dudes are going to fucking rock. Anything you know I mean? can add of him is a bonus. Right. And I'm, you know, and he's capable of, of still being, um, you know, uh, functional in there. But I just, I, he, I, he really is. La- the last match really left a bad taste in my Yeah, and, and being the elite this week, they sort of posed that he he's taken this not very seriously. That, that that you know, they had him do an interview and he was like, yeah, all right, cool, thanks guys, or whatever. And then he had a buddy meet up with him and he was like, yeah, I'm just doing it as a favor. Yeah, whatever. And this other guy's like, what the hell are you do? Why are you even bothering with these guys? And goes, ah, you know, it's, I'm doing it as a favor. I'm doing it as a favor. So they might play it up that he's kind of half-assing it because he doesn't care. To, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if that had any more bigger meaning that being the elite thing, but that might be their little caveat to say, hey, Ray Mysterio is not going to be Ray Mysterio at the show because he kind of looks down on it or whatever. And that might be an impetus for, you know, him to eat a bunch of super kicks from the, from the bucks or whatever. And people might cheer that or whatever. And Mysterio knows and he's fine with it. Probably he's saying, Hey, whatever I got, you know, I'm going to Waltz and WWE or whatnot. So I think they're sort of setting the stage that, Hey, you're probably not going to get Ray Mysterio, Ray Mysterio, these days, but that's fine. Again, like I said, five of the six dudes are fucking incredible. Like you're going to get Kotobushi as Kotobushi because Kotobushi doesn't have anything but Kotobushi matches. The Young Bucks never, as you said, ever have a bad match. And then Phoenix is another guy. 
one of the best live wrestlers to see anywhere. And Bandito understands that this is a pretty big moment for him as well. So, yeah, anything you get, I think you mentioned it right there and nailed it. Anything you get from Mysterio is, is, is a bonus. That's a cherry on top. It does not matter. This match is going to fucking rock. Yeah, he could be the worst guy in the match, and the match will be still be great. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, Nick Aldis, Cody Rhodes for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. You have Aldis, the champion, of course, defending against Cody Rhodes. There's the extra weight of Cody Rhodes going for the title that his dad uh, once owned. Uh, they had a promo on the uh, most recent 10 pounds of gold that I thought was pretty good as well. Very simple. You know, Cody is just kind of second about, you know, bragging about all in, bragging about this moment. Aldis just saying, hey, look, you know, you, you better, you know, bring your A game because I'm, you know, the champion. And, then, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's not about marketing and all this sort of stuff. I'm just a wrestler, you know, I'm a wrestler's wrestler. So it was simple. It was processing 101. You know, it's not going to blow your doors off, but I thought it was a solid promo by both guys. Uh, definitely built up to the match. Has me anticipating it a little bit more than I did before. But uh, I, I think this is one where we can give a prediction. Do you have any sort of, uh, I mean, all this is, has been the champion for quite a while, you know, you know, nearly a year at this point. I think he won it last December. Cody Rhodes, you know, would be a, a Good champion, but is he ready to be that NWA guy? Is he ready to be the world traveler guy, the documentary guy? I, I don't know. It, it's it's really interesting in that sense because it makes all the sense in the world to have Cody win this. I think that's probably the better move, but is he ready to be what entails being the NWA champion at this point? The bottom line is if Cody is willing to do it, it's a no-brainer. If Lagana and Corrigan have talked him into being the NWA world's champion, that's a major coup for them. Yeah, It's just a matter of whether he wants to do it. Because if he wants to do it, it's it's an absolute no-brainer. Because you get your title on Ring of Honor. You get your title on New Japan. You get your title on being the elite every week. And you have your title on someone who is a legitimate uh, indie superstar right now. As opposed to Nick Aldis, who has zero buzz and nobody cares about him. And the NWA thing, uh, in terms of buzz, has gone straight in the toilet since they took it off Tim Storm and put it on Nick Aldis. Because Nick Aldis is just a guy. Um, Cody Rhodes is a star. So, you know, from a bell-to-bell perspective, these are two pretty average wrestlers, in my opinion. And that's being kind. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of either one of these guys, bell-to-bell. You know, I think Nick Aldis kind of stinks, to be honest with you. I think he's a below-average wrestler. I think Cody is firmly average. I don't think they're going to go out. Anything you get over three stars, if you're looking for good matches, is going to be a Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think I would, I'd probably guys. bet less than that, for sure. But I'm real interested in it from you know a political perspective and whether they have successfully talked Cody Rhodes into taking that belt. That would be an enormous coup for the NWA to have that title on Cody Rhodes. In fact, if I could handpick anybody who is a true independent wrestler based in the United States to put that title on, and I had my pick, I'd pick Cody. Yeah, for sure. I don't know who else you would pick over him to put that title on in terms of you know, generating attention, buzz, uh, those sorts of things. And, you know, and he may want to hold that title because his father held it. We know he's a big into history and and and, um, and all those sorts of things. Maybe it does mean something to him to win this thing. And if they played that angle with him and talked him into it and uh, laid out some good ideas in the future with people he can work with and things he could do, then that's an enormous coup for Logano and Corgan. And I think it would be a no-brainer to put the title on him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, w- I would absolutely do that. It's just, yeah, like I said, it's not necessarily on NWA. I mean, NWA, it's obvious. Yeah, okay. Cody, if you want the title, it's all yours. The idea is, hey, Cody, do you want to be, uh, have us follow you around all the time? Do you want to be? And maybe the, then the 10 pounds of gold thing, maybe the whole NWA thing has to change a little bit. Maybe it can't just be a roving guy that goes to indie shows or whatnot. Maybe Cody does. I don't I have no idea. It's going to change a lot of things. That's what I'm fascinated about this match. The match itself, yeah, like you said, 
if it's three stars, that'll be great. You know what I mean? If it's three stars, look, I'll be throwing look, roses at it. I mean, look, that's, if, they, yeah. if they could talk him into holding that title, then it opens up a million possibilities. You could have your title defended on Ring of Honor shows. You could have your title defended on New Japan shows again, like it was in the Tharp era. Uh, it opens up a million. You could have it defended on these New Japan right. USA it changes. shows. It changes a little bit of what they've been doing, but that's fine. You would take that change because the change Listen, is going to be success. Yeah. Nick Aldis is a guy. Cody Rhodes is a star. Right. And Cody Rhodes has, has inroads uh, to places that can make a difference for the NWA and truly uh, up their profile as high as you can get it in 2018. I mean, he's a no-brainer. I, I, could, I couldn't handpick a better choice. But the question is, does he want to do it? Right. That's the only question. If he wants to do it, you put it on him. And you, you, know, you, let, him hold it you let him hold it until he cools off and, and doesn't have the same uh, you know, cachet to him anymore. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm fascinated to see the result of that. And I'm fascinated to see where it's placed on the show as well. Is that I, I don't think it's going to be the main event, but I think it's going to be very high. It could be semi-main event. Uh, could definitely be up there uh, pretty high. And I think that is now it, except for what I think is going to be the main event. I hope it's the main event and a match that I'm absolutely looking forward to. Kenny Omega versus Pentagon. I mean, Jesus Christ, Kenny Omega versus Pentagon. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> look, here's the thing. I Look, I, I never count out Kenny Omega when it comes to counting on him to have a great match. Because I think, um, you know, he prides himself on that, obviously. And he usually almost always delivers a great match. This is just such a fascinating match from a stylistic uh, dichotomy standpoint. You know, I don't know if these guys are going to match up in terms of style. Uh, I'm I'm just so curious to see how it all works itself out. I'm, I'm not... I'm less I'm I'm less convinced that this is going to be a great match than almost any match Kenny Omega's had over the last couple of years. Only because I'm not convinced that these two guys are going to mesh well. And now look, would it shock me if they go out there and have a match of the year caliber match? Absolutely not. But at the same time, that's really not Pentagon Jr.'s game either. You know what I mean? He's not a guy going out there trying to have a great match. He's going out there to be charismatic and beat the shit out of people and basically be, you know, uh, he, he's more similar to someone like L.A. Park than Kenny Omega in terms of what he's trying to do when he works a match. I mean, I know he's more athletic in those things. I'm just talking about in terms of his philosophy when he wrestles a match. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, and and, and the, the thing that the reason why I have a little bit more, you know, maybe positive expectations about it, or I think it, it'll probably be better than than maybe you do, is that I've seen Pentagon in there, uh, you know, at AEW, he, he had a match with Chris Hero. That was fucking incredible. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe Pentagon is a guy who, who, who rises to the... I'm glad you brought the, that match up, though. Very different kind of great match than the kind of great match Kenny has, though. Right, right. And that's that's where I, I see what you mean, though. It seems like they're coming from at it from two different universes. And what universe are we going to find? Is it going to be a blood feud thing or is it going to be a Kenny Omega spamming, you know, finisher? I, I don't know. I don't know. And that's that's, I think, one of the intrigues that I have. I just don't believe in my heart of hearts that Kenny Omega is going to go out there and have anything less than a great match against a guy that I know that he knows that a guy that I know he respects that thinks is a great wrestler. This isn't Yoshihashi. You know what I mean? This isn't a guy that he right. actively thinks sucks. He knows who Pentagon Jr. is. He knows Pentagon Jr. is great. Does Pentagon Jr does he have that same appreciation? And I don't want to say appreciation. That's probably not the right word, but the same understanding that, Hey, look him and I can have a great match or, you know, we could just go out there and we can have my type of match and a fun match and a match that we'll get over and have a lot of, you know, buzz and, and, and be a match that people enjoy, but maybe not stylistically be great in that same sense. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see is, how it goes. Is Pentagon going to drag Kenny? Like the, the, the Chris hero match was like, was eight minutes of strike exchanges 
of nasty strikes, and that's yeah. why it was great. Um, you know, or you know, and some of Pentagon Junior's other great matches, Callahan, just, the recent one against Callahan at Slammiversary, yeah, yeah or just, exactly, are brawls and fights, and they're bloody and they're heated. Is he going to drag Kenny into something like that? Is he going to, uh, you know, uh, or, or is Kenny going to drag Pentagon Junior into a wild spot fest, which we know Pentagon Junior could do? I think. That might be the easiest path for these guys to just go out there and exchange wild moves and, 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 and have a wild spot fest. I've never seen Pentagon Jr. go out there and have a 30-minute epic that Kenny Omega specializes in. And I've never seen Kenny Omega go out there and have an eight-minute strike fest where they're knocking each other out like Pentagon Jr. has been known to do. So I'm curious where it meets in the middle and how they construct the great match that they're likely to have. Um, and I do think there's like a 1% chance it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. There's a 1% chance that it's just them doing like, you know, <laughs> they just don't have, have good chemistry Canadian, and it just doesn't Canadian work. Destroyers and V triggers and it just kind of keeps happening and it looks like shit and it's just kind of over. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, there is. I, I tend to believe, I, I tend to think that it's probably going to be good, but, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You said the 1% and I think, I don't think that's totally out of the question. I'm not saying like the, the bandito, the six man, I have no doubt that that's going to be great. Barring right. like some catastrophe, that's going to be great. This one, I think there is that 1% chance. I'm not even saying 50, 50. I'm just saying there's a, a slight chance be a that their chemistry just yeah. doesn't work with each other. Or Pentagon is like, look, me and Phoenix are on our way to fucking Orlando. Okay? <laughs> right. That's, that's a possibility uh, too. Yeah. And I am not, you know, putting my body on the line for this fucking geek okay and and, and you know so th- that's all i'm saying i'm saying there's that ever so slight possibility yeah. here's the but, other thing but that's Omega though, politically can't lose that's right. the other thing omega has to win this match i mean that, that's what i was gonna say one of the predictions is omega is a, is a mortal lock because he's the fucking iwgp heavyweight champion so no he's not losing they you know that that there's no chance in hell that he's losing this so that kind of adds a little bit of another wrinkle to it as well so but is I, pentagon jr the kind of guy where he has the kind of charisma to still make you doubt the outcome based on the work in the match, though. That's the key because it's an absolute lock. But, you know, there's a special kind of worker who could maybe make you question that. And is he that kind of guy? He might be. He might be the kind of guy where he's just so charismatic and he's so believable in his gimmick, like in L.A. Park, another good comparison. Well, you know, where, where, where they make you believe that he can win. I mean, that, that'll be it's just such a fascinating match. Uh, to me, to uh, that, that I can't wait to see how it all yeah, plays yeah. out. I, I will point out as well that uh, Kenny Omega this year had what I would consider if, if he has a match like he had with Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom and it's that sort of style, I think he'll be fine. You, you know what I mean? Like that was yeah. a yeah. brawl, a street fight. Uh, yeah. And so I, I, I think the idea that Kenny can't do it, and I'm not saying that you said that, but I think if somebody would say, oh, well, Kenny, you know, Kenny can only do, you know, he can only spam V triggers and, and, and do, you know, sort of this sort of shit. I think we saw at Wrestle Kingdom that no, he can have a brawl. He can be in bloody brawls and that sort of stuff and it'd be awesome match. So, you know, if we get something like that match, I'm fine. If we get something that's just them spamming finishers, I'm probably fine with that, too. Or we could, like you said, we have the 1% chance where they just have this weird chemistry and it doesn't quite work and Pentagon's not there to work and Omega's, you know, whether, whatever. Who knows? Who knows what the hell is going to happen there? But uh, either way, I'm really looking forward to the show. Uh, Should be a lot of fun on Saturday. Uh, We mentioned before on last week's show that there's some events going on over the weekend. If you're coming into Chicago for All In, uh, this one actually just popped up. I did not know this was happening until I uh, interviewed this man on our show. Uh, uh, I had a guest uh, earlier this week. He was a rapper, uh, uh, Novelist. He's playing a show on uh, Thursday. Uh, he's with wrestling and video game themed rapper. Uh, it's Megaran is the name. I know, Joe, you're nothing if not the biggest Megaran fan in the world. Uh, but he, novelist Megaran and a few others are going to be at Emporium in Wicker Park. It's the you know, Emporium Arcade Bar. It's an arcade bar. You're going to have wrestling and video game themed rappers at an arcade bar. 
pretty good stuff there. That's going to be going out on Thursday. Of course, AEW is running a show on Thursday as well. I believe it is 100% sold out right now, though I think they will open up some tickets the day of, so you don't want to check uh, AEW about that. Uh, Friday, uh, August 31st, of course, uh, our friends at the Reddit Squared Circle, they're doing a meetup at the Emporium in Logan Square. There's two Emporiums. I mentioned Wicker Park before. There's also another arcade bar named the Emporium. That one is in Logan Square, so just so you know, that's where that meetup's going on, and that's happening after AEW. AEW is also running a show on Friday. Same deal. Uh, they might open up some tickets. I know that they're retweeting anytime anyone's saying, hey, hey, I have an extra ticket or hey, I'm trying to sell my ticket. Uh, AEW is saying that. So if you want to go there and check out shows, I believe Big Dave Melter is going to be at that Friday show. So I'm really kicking myself that I'm not going to be there because I would love to be uh, at a show with Big Dave. But uh, he's going to be at the AEW show on Friday. So that'll be pretty fun there. Uh, Saturday, of course, we have All In going on uh, during the day. Uh, immediately following All In, we are doing a meetup. Voices Wrestling and some staff members at Voice Wrestling. We're doing a meetup at GameWorks in Schaumburg. Uh, that's real close to the hotel uh, where a lot of people are staying for 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 the weekend. So uh, that's where the Starcast Hotel is and all that sort of stuff there. So that is the yeah, GameWorks in Schaumburg. That is not right away. That not really. It's about 20 minutes away from the actual venue where All In is happening, but it's closer to where people are staying. So we thought that'd be a better idea. Get people where they're staying and then sort of that be our home base. Uh, but uh, as I said, no reservations, nothing big going on there. We're just going to meet up. I'll have details on Patreon and at, uh, on uh, Twitter as well. So if you're like walking around GameWorks, you have no idea where we are, you'll be able to find us. I think it'll be pretty obvious, our group. But we'll see. If if not, I'll say, hey, I'm wearing a blue polo shirt and I look like this or whatever. So you can at least find me at GameWorks and, and, and PM my feed if you want to do that, too. Um, and then uh, Sunday, September 2nd, as we should say as well, uh, it's kind of the main event here. Voice Wrestling, we're doing a live show at the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg. I have a soft confirmation for a very special guest, a very newsworthy guest as well, if certain things happen uh, on Saturday at the All In Show. So that should be pretty fun. You want to check that out. I'll be doing a live show uh, at 1130. I'm doing 1130 to... Um, uh, to 1 p.m. there uh, at the uh, so this is this is at the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg. I'm not in Starcast. I'm just outside of Starcast. It's the Starcast Hotel, but it is the podcast movement stage going on at the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg. So come there, see me get very nervous about doing a live show in front of people. I'm nervous just talking about it. It's going to be terrifying. But uh, the good news is Chris and Brandon from WrestleNomics they'll be there as well. Uh, they're doing the 10:30 slot as well. So they're doing a uh, or 10 a.m. I should say. So they're they get on at 10 a.m. When they're done, I get on from 11:30 to one. So uh, it should be terrifying. Uh, but the event is free and it's open to the public so you can just come show up all you have to do is go to the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg hang around in the lobby and you'll be able to listen to anything going on at the podcast movement uh, Westwood One stage that is going on there oh, I should mention as well um, s- Sunday night if you're if you're not wrestled out by that time there's obviously StarCast going on AEW all in uh, Sunday night Warrior Wrestling has a show as well and it's a really like I feel bad they're getting kind of overshadowed but that's a really fucking good card Joe I know you've checked out that card uh, from Warrior Wrestling they uh, they're running not very close to the city it's kind of a hike there but uh, yeah if you're into more wrestling if you're staying through the whole weekend no reason not to go up to check out warrior wrestling their their show a few months ago was awesome really you know we, we had the booker on the, the show as well uh, kind of talking about it, it in a lot of ways a benefit for the high school so it's cool it's kind of a charity show in a lot of ways but uh, yeah that's uh, warrior wrestling on sunday night if you're not out wrestled by that point and that is it that is all in weekends so this is uh kind of sneaking up on us and i'm already exhausted because there's a lot of shit going on a lot of stuff uh, going on meeting people hanging out with people doing the uh, meetups doing the live show so it should be a lot of fun stuff going on this weekend but we hope to see you there and uh yeah so uh should be fun stuff and joe still lovely britney's not letting you go got the birthday <laughs> that's fine i'm just joking with you yeah too late to get out of that <laughs> one <laughs> well you can tell her this uh you can tell her the chanel story and maybe that'll work uh Oh, I'm telling. Oh, I already told her. I got a. I got a crazy phone <laughs> well, she, call. Now, is she gonna find about. that funny? Like she's gonna find that funny, right? She's not gonna she's care. Find it right? hilarious. Okay. <clears throat> she's not gonna say, "Well, fuck the San Antonio trip. You're. I'm done with you." That's. She's nah. Gonna she. That, so. She knows who she married. 
<laughs> she knows the jail. So. She's, she's well aware. <laughs> so you'll get a good laugh and, oh, my God, you're such an idiot out of it. So that, that's good. That, that's, yes. that's fine. So that is all in. That is Pac Neville. Joe, we got two more big topics, three more big topics. I should say we got about another hour left in the show. We got to talk Triple Mania, right? Yes. It's time. Let's talk about Triple A, Triple Mania. We both watched the entire show. I watched every second of it. I believe you watched every second as well. Joe, what are your thoughts on Triple Mania? It's such a hard show to evaluate. Um, I do think finally, after years and years of saying that it's going to be a good show, I was finally right. Um, I am confident saying that this was a good show. The problem with AAA is you really have to view AAA through a AAA lens. Because if you don't, you're, you're going to be pulling your hair out and you're not going to think it's a good show. Um, there were things about the show that I didn't like at all. But there were more things about the show that I did. Look, watching the show, for the most part, it was a pleasant experience, for the most part. Um, you know, there were a couple matches I really hated, but there's just things about the AAA style that you have to accept or you just shouldn't watch. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it's not the cleanest promotion in terms of work. It's sloppy. It's messy. Um, it looks like there's a lot of miscommunication going on. It's not a slick in-ring product. Um, It's in a lot of ways, you know, it reminds me a lot of vintage ECW in a lot of ways where what you're watching is clearly rough, but it's okay. Yeah. That's part of the charm sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Because we know that's what it is. And, and we don't care that Sabu slipped on three of his springboard moves. And we don't care that, uh, maybe not everybody on the show is is a major league caliber. Yeah, you don't talent. care that Rocco Rock is kind of a shitty wrestler, but he's over as fuck. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's you know it, it, that's what AAA modern AAA reminds me of. It reminds me, it's kind of like if ECW never died and it retained the same style for the last twenty years. Um, you know, stipulations that are way overbooked and and matches that are just uh, poor. You know, that that. You, very clearly the wrestlers did not plan out very well before they went out there to perform them confused referees that don't know what the wrestlers are doing, uh, shitty angles with referees that just ruin matches, uh, you know, to me, but that the live crowd eats up. So from that perspective, you really can't approach a triple a show and particularly a big triple a show the same way, with the same kind of critical eye that you approach a WWE or New Japan or, or PWG or name your promotion, All Japan, any of even CMLL for that matter. Okay. You can't approach it with the same type of critical eye. You have to watch it with the expectation that it's very much going to be a AAA show. Some years like 2015 with that awful Viano main event, remember that? Uh, against the clowns yes, and uh, which was (laughs) one of the worst matches that anyone will ever see in their entire life. And when we talked about Viano three last week, I intentionally didn't bring that up, you know, because nobody needs to remember that man for that thing. Okay. Um, You know, and that show was horrendous. Um, This was a triple A show to me that works because I enjoyed 90% of it. Even if I'm not, I can't critically sit here and tell you that it was the best wrestling that I've seen this year or anything like that. I mean, we're going to go over it. It was messy. 
But like you said, there's a certain charm to that messiness sometimes. And, and in a couple matches, they did cross the line though, to where I did think some things were shit. Is that a fair summary of things? Yeah, or? I think so. I think one way that, to look at it, and, and this is the way I look at it, I don't know that I necessarily call it a good show, but it was a fun show. I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching it. It didn't feel like it was something, because there has been prior years where we've come on the show and watched a triple mania and went, Jesus Christ, why did we waste our time? Like, or, or times where I'd get halfway through the show and say, Joe, fuck it, I'm not watching the rest of the show. We've had reviewers yeah. say, I'm going to review triple mania. Halfway through, say, fuck it, I'm not reviewing the show, I'm out, by, and then they never review anything again on the website. You know what I mean? Like, that's actually happened like that has literally happened where you're just like yeah bye i'm never ever doing anything again this is so bad i can't have fun ripping it bad right like right that. where people halfway through said hey, i was going to review the show we've had a, the czw effect where people have yep. said oh yeah i'll review czw and then they get halfway through the show and they go you know this is just not even fun at all this is just bad bad where there's yeah. aspects of fun bad on the show but i thought more than more the fun like i i genuinely enjoyed this show even if there were wrinkles even if there were warts and even if there were things that i went ugh, that was kind of annoying or oh, that was kind of bad by and large i had fun watching this and i think the good to me at least on the show far outweighed the bad or the horrendous or the eye roll and that's not the case in prior years there has been years where even the things that should have been good the ladder matches the matches that were like oh shit these guys there's no way this match is going to suck somehow found a way to suck this year was not that. This year felt to me like the first year in quite a while where I've watched this Triple Mania show and said, you know what? I enjoyed that. Like, I don't know that I'm going to watch the next AAA show. Like, I don't know. I'm really excited to, to consume a bunch of AAA content the rest of this year, but I'm glad I watched this show. I did not feel like I wasted however many hours it was. The file was tough to say because there were so many different intermissions and, and gaps or whatnot, but I feel like I didn't waste the three or four hours that I did to watch this. So so that I take I, I take as a victory. I thought it was fun enough, even if it wasn't, quote good i wouldn't call it a good show i'd call it a fun show yeah i think um did you watch the pre-show fuck yeah i watched the pre-show joe those are my two favorite matches in the entire show are you kidding wow because i hated one of them what Uh, i I thought one of the pre-show matches was legitimately one of the two or three worst matches on the show i'm interested to see which one i think i know which one i hope it's not the one that i think it is but go ahead so we had the uh the Lave Gloria finals, which is the, you know, the newcomers tournament. We had freelance Astro Lux and Dragon Bane against Drastic Boy, Aram- Aramis and Latigo. And I love this. I thought okay. this, Oof, was- I was, I, if this is the one you're going to bury. I was going to get quite upset, but okay. no, I mean, these guys went out there and did exactly what they were supposed to do. They went out there and just did a bunch of spots and it was a lot of fun. And this was one of the best matches on the show. Yeah, honestly, well, for sure. but my problem was the cruiserweight match with uh sammy guevara winning the cruiserweight title um australian suicide came in as the champion ach and Shane strickland are there considering the participants that were in this match especially this underwhelmed big time to me um i didn't feel like ach shane strickland and sammy guevara took it particularly seriously um australian suicide did nothing of note and i just think it was a blah match i thought for these four guys who i like all four of them to go out there and give you a two-star special, which is what I thought it was, was very disappointing. Um, didn't like it at all. It had no juice. It had no bite. And to me, it was just a setup for the post-match angle where Kevin Cross came out and uh, and tossed Australian Suicide a T-shirt to the big heel faction. And I really think that was the whole sole purpose of this thing. Um, you know, Sammy Guevara is the champ. Australian Suicide is now part of uh, – what's that group called? They're called the uh, – Mad, right? Yeah, mad. And uh, the match was super underwhelming. But uh, what did you think of the pre-show? Yeah, see, I didn't think it was as over. I, I, yeah, again, like, I, I'm not saying I, I threw, like, four stars at it or whatever. And, and, and really, but I thought it was, it's, to me, I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did. I thought there was some good action throughout. And and I thought Guevara and ACH and Strickland did well. I thought Strickland in, in, in particular 
looked pretty good in this match. And Suicide, I, I'll show you on Suicide didn't do too much to me. So I get maybe when you come in with high expectations of it, you would assume, because this is weird, because I forgot that this match was even on the show. So I think when I scrolled and I was like, oh, shit, ACH Strickland, Guevara, okay, okay, okay. It was like, so to me, I came in with this as in some ways kind of a bonus, where I think if you read this and go, okay, these are these guys, here we go, I can't wait to see what these guys do. I could see, like, I, I'm not arguing, with, I, I could see how you'd be maybe a little disappointed by it. I thought the action was pretty good, though, and I liked it a little bit more than you. I'd probably go about maybe three stars or so with it. I don't think it it was a two-star bad, but I don't think it was like four-star great or whatever. Whereas, I agree with you that the pre-show was, was I think, you know, when it's all said and done and and, and I'll, I'll see when we get to it but i think the the, the first pre-show match the, the 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 one that you mentioned with freelance arrow Lux and dragon bay and yeah the, the gloria i think that one is probably my favorite match on the entire show my number one match on the entire show i can't kill you for that that's yeah, a that, value can't yeah and you. this one is i thought was good i don't know if it was you know my top two or top three or whatever but it was certainly up there it was definitely in the top half of the matches the the, the, the other uh the cruiserweight match i should say yeah so then we had the uh for the mixed tag team titles this would fit the definition of what you were talking about. It was fun. Yes. Oh, you my know. God. The crowd fucking loved this match, too. I had a lot of fun watching this match. And I did not expect that going in. Yeah, you had the hamburger guy and Big Mommy. <laughs> Kid Hamburger. Kid Hamburger and, and Big Mommy. Dude, they should have they should have rebooked everything and had Kid Hamburger go over in the main event. You know what I mean? That dude was so fucking over. That if I were them, I would have scrapped everything and just had Kid Hamburger go win. I would have had him as a special entrant to the Mega Championship and just win the title right then and there. But I was hoping it'd be a better showcase for Hio Del Vikingo, who's very good. Yeah, no, but it really, really, but it really wasn't. Um, but it, it was a fun match. You know, it, it's it's look. I'm just gonna say it because Joe Lanz is the guy who just says things. I mean, a lot of the matches on this show and a good portion of this show. And again, it's not fair because you have to view it through the eyes of what the company is and within the context of what it is. If a lot of these matches happened on a WWE or New Japan or big time indie show, they'd be torn to fucking shreds. Okay. Psychology basically doesn't exist on, uh, you know, in the majority of these, of the, of, of the matches in AAA. I mean, so forget that. Um, they're just matches that, they're either going to be super fun and wild or they're going to fall apart and be absolute shit. That's really what you're dealing with on a triple A show, especially one like this with wild stipulations with a million people in the match and, and things getting hairy. I mean, that's what you're going to get with these. And that's what this was. It was a fun match. I can't sit here and call this a great match. Oh no, no, not at all. And there was, there was a lot. I mean, a, the, probably the best part of this match, the most fun part of this match was, was mired by a lot of people just standing around waiting for people to do dives. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing yes. where, where in any other company, a lot of people would probably criticize that. Whereas this, and I don't care. Like to me, it didn't bother me because I don't give a shit really. You know what I mean? If it's a fun match, it's a fun match. But yeah, it's, it's one that it's kind of funny because a lot of the stuff that would happen. In this I will match, say this. This match was hardly the worst offender in terms of sloppiness and shit that didn't make oh, sense. Oh God, no, no. This one, this one was, was pretty good. We'll this talk one about better, a little bit later. Yeah, for sure. So we had the four-way ladder match with uh, Bandito and Flamita. Uh, they win. Aerostar and Drago were in this. Laredo Kid and Golden Magic. And the other team was DJZ and Andrew Everett. DJZ did a spot where he dove off the top turnbuckle through the ladder above the two little braces. <laughs> Do you remember that spot? That yeah. hold the ladder. Incredible spot. And again, uh, look, it's a spot fest. But it was a fun spot fest. A lot of these matches were just fun spot fests with some messy fucking spots. There was one spot. And I, I, I'm almost positive it was this match. A lot of these matches are bleeding together with me, but I think it was this match where a bunch of guys dogpiled one of the dudes to pin him. 
and the referee counted two, but he knew it wasn't the finish, and he just inexplicably stopped counting. Time stood still. Matt Stryker attempting to cover for this as he this poor Matt Stryker all night long. We'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. As he attempted to cover for this, he goes, Oh, well, the referee has stopped counting. I I think he sees someone coming with a ladder and he's running for safety. And what felt like an eternity later, someone else comes with a ladder and breaks up the pin yeah. like a million years late. That happened in the match prior too, because I, I forget who it was. It was it was another sort of dogpile situation. A big mommy who was as as, as over as the uh, kid hamburger as well, but uh, big mommy showed up and she was about to splash the, the whoever was doing the pinfall. But the ref had already counted to two, and he's right. looking at she hasn't fallen yet. So the ref just looks up, stares, doesn't count anything. She hits, and then he you know says, "Oh, well, uh, whatever, I couldn't count the three. And Stryker again said the same thing. Is like, "Ah, oh, the referee trying to get out." Out of Big Mommy's way, the ref was like seventy feet away from Big Mommy. You know what I mean? Like he was on the other right. side of the ring. Like he was not, and you know, he's in no danger of Big Mommy falling on him or whatever. But yeah, it was the same thing where it was just a step off, and it was just like it felt a little. Yeah, you're like, oh man, like that's really awkward. But it's yeah. sloppy work. It's sloppy work that we would hold any other company over the barrel for if it happened a million times on the show, like it did on this one. But it's AAA, so it's like as long as the match is fun, you kind of overlook it. I mean, if we're being honest. You know, it's like if, if something like if if two spots like that happened on a WWE show, could you imagine? Yeah, back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. You know, but, you know, all you're looking for here is the matches to be fun and for nobody to die. And just like just, you know, especially when you have these wacky stipulations and guys falling off ladders and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, some of this stuff was just super sloppy and, and people out of place and late saves on pins and things like that. But, yeah, the ladder match again in, in a running theme. You know, it, it was a lot of fun. It was guys doing reckless things. And who can't enjoy that on some level? Yeah, I have nothing bad to say about this match. I mean, there was a little bit of sloppiness here and there, but I thought all things considering how many guys were in this match, I thought the stuff was good. There was there was a lot of like guys, you know, waiting around, setting up tables and doing that sort of stuff and or setting up ladders, I should say. But that's fine to me. It, whatever. I, I went into this expecting a spot fest. I mean, it's a fucking four way ladder, four way tag team ladder match for a number one contendership. But yeah, these guys, I think, did a, a, as well as as well as I would have expected. And, and I was into this. So I, I, I like this match a lot. So the six-man tag team lumberjack match. Yeah. You want to talk about overbooked? There's twelve oh, people in the God. match. I, I didn't. A, I don't. I knew what was going on, but then I would look and I'm like, "What? Who's this guy? Like, what's the?" I I lost complete track of this match about halfway through and just gave up and just said, "All right, whatever." I there was just guys running in, and I guess this is a match that if you're f- familiar with the stories and the stables and all that sort of stuff, you might like a little bit more. I fucking hated it because I didn't know any of the stories. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And obviously, Striker and Vampiro weren't about to do anything. Striker would say, "Hey, Vamp, what's going on here?" And Vamp would be like, "Oh man, uh, uh, we'll." See. It's like no, like Striker desperately saying, "Hey, Vamp, you're you know, hey, you you know the stories, right?" And Vamp never giving him anything. So yeah, it was pretty. uh Yeah, it's look, I I didn't have any look. I I kind of like this. So we're gonna have differing opinions on this one. The, my problem with this, it was super overbooked. It didn't need to be a lumberjack match with all those people out there already. The lumberjacks really didn't play a part in it, except you know, occasionally whipping people who fell out of the ring. But I really became a fan of this El Nuevo uh, del Norte group here. With uh, Carlarta Bravo, Moco Cota Jr., and uh, the and not Tito Santana, um, I think they have a great act, and I think they were a lot different than some of the other people on the show. And I thought all four teams were very different because you had, you know, Team Elite with the three mass dudes, El Hio, DLA Park, and Puma King and Taurus, and then of course you had the uh, the Exoticos team um, with Mamba Maximo and, and Pimpinella Escalata. I thought there were four very, uh, three very distinct. Um, uh, teams in this match. So to me, I didn't have that problem that you had. I kind of knew who everybody was. I knew what was going on. 
And it was just a clusterfuck like everything else on the show. So it's kind of like I was already conditioned to just, you know, I, so I, and I liked it because I liked the team that won. And, you know, they came out later, uh, you know, to attack one of the winners in, in the other match. And, um, and I, I was into it. So I think I liked it a little more than you did. The yeah, next I, I, I had nothing to do with it. So, yeah. So Ooh. you didn't like this match? Nah, not really. So we had a Verno, Chessman, and uh, Superfly, and they defeated uh, a mad threesome of Juventud Guerrero, Jack Evans, and Teddy Hart. So uh, what would you think of this? I, I, again, it may have under-delivered a little bit, in my opinion, um, based on some of the people that were involved. But overall, I did enjoy it for what it was. No, I enjoyed it uh, from the same thing. And, and this is one that at least, you know, like I said, the, the prior matches, you know, I didn't know a ton of the, the, the part. I didn't know some of the angles with these guys. This one, because they had a little bit of, of a backstory and Vampiro seemed like he was a little bit more interested in actually giving the backstory to this match that I was able to sort of jump in a little bit more and go, OK, I get, you know, why these guys are fighting. I get what the, what the anticipation is. And, and I'm obviously I'm familiar with a bunch of the guys in this match. So I think this helped me a little bit more and it helped me uh, enjoy it a little bit more. So I, I, I like this match as well like you said a little under delivered because it's Guerrero and jack evans and teddy hart and 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 and, and even a even a verano and chessman and superfly are all pretty good as well so it probably underwhelmed a little bit but overall i i i had fun watching it i enjoyed it yeah so then uh, of course the winners from the previous match attacked the verano chessman and superfly here they're gonna set up a feud based on what people tell me about triple a booking uh you know i don't know if people should bother getting excited about that we'll see where that goes Next up, a six-man tag team street fight. El Tejano, uh, Reyes Scorpion, and La Mascara defeat Joe Leiter, Murder Clown, and Pagano. And the only thing I cared about here, which I talked about in the preview, was uh, the safest bet in wrestling, which is Joe Leiter bleeding within 30 <laughs> seconds of the start of any match. And we got that. Like so, five seconds uh, in. <laughs> he was literally bell ring busted open. <laughs> that, that's my man. You know, I've loved this guy for a decade. No one else seems to like him. He knows what pays the bills, man. You know what I mean? Like any match he's in, he's going to bleed within the first 30 seconds. You put him in a street fight, forget it. Okay. That's just it. I'm surprised he wasn't bleeding. I don't even know how he got cut open. He just like the bell rang. He got hit once. He was bleeding. I'm like, okay. That's his deal. That's his deal. I love it. He just bleeds and you don't even, he just blades as soon as the bell rings. Like you don't, he doesn't set it up. You don't know how (laughs) it happened. The man just loves to bleed. You know, that's his thing. You know, he worked. For years in DTU, he'd work with those teenagers and just every match, just uh, he's a bloody fucking mess. Guy's 40 years old out there bleeding with the teenagers in DTU. So uh, that's really all I cared about here. I got what I wanted. And for me, that's four stars. So four stars. <laughs> Los Missionarios defeating Joe Leiter, Murder Clown, and Pagano because my man Joe Leiter was bleeding buckets within the first 30 seconds. Joe, this is my second favorite match on the entire show. We are officially a deathmatch show now, and I think this confirms it. I fucking that was your match. second favorite match? Yes, I love this match. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, it was I'm so being good. Like, I'm I, being I, facetious with the no, four stars. Like, but it, was, no, it was really, really good. Like, I love this. I'm watching it going like, oh, I, like, I don't, maybe I've turned the corner. Maybe I am officially a deathmatch guy, and this is now officially a deathmatch show. But fucking love this match. It was like nonstop action, dudes doing crazy st- spots, stuff I had never seen before, and everyone just bleeding. But it was exactly what I wanted the match to be. You know what I mean? It was exactly what it should have been. There's sure. fucking flaming tables. You got clowns getting busted open by light tubes. You got lighter bleeding buckets. There's guys holding their skin together. I mean, it was exactly what I wanted the match to be. And like in, in maybe in prior years, I would have said, oh, this is gross and this is disgusting. But since I'm a deathmatch guy and this is a deathmatch show, I fucking loved it. And I was all in. So yeah, I, I, this is legit my second favorite match of the entire show. I love this match. It was really good. Like as far as deathmatches go or street fight, I mean, it wasn't a deathmatch. It was a quote street fight, but yeah, this was great. I mean, the fucking, there was a spot where somebody powerbombed somebody into a shopping cart and it looked awesome. Like, yeah. 
This is right to the shopping cart. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, I forget who it was. I forget who was doing it, but they were going to do a uh, a plancha while holding uh, light tubes, and someone just yeah. came out of nowhere and hit the light tubes with a chair. Yeah, I was, yeah. Like, I was losing yeah. my mind. Yeah. Like, holy fuck, that was great! Like, first off, the plancha with light tubes is a horrible idea. Maybe don't do that. That's going to hurt a lot. But then to get yeah. countered by just somebody hitting you with a chair while you're in the plancha, I just fucking love this match. And then like, yeah. all the, while it's going on, somebody just like gets you know suplex into a flaming table and the table doesn't go out and they're just on fire or whatever. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. And like, you know, they're carrying these guys out and they're all bleeding buckets. Like, dude, I don't know. Like I, I'm a deathmatch guy now, I guess. Yeah. One of the best matches on the show. I'm right with you. <laughs> so we had uh, lady Shani versus Fabi Apache mask versus hair. I was surprised that Fabi Apache got shaved here. Um, this was okay. And I thought it was, it, it, it was intense and emotional. Mm-hmm. Unlike the main event, which I'm going to rip in a few minutes. Okay. Um, but this one I thought was, and I was a little bit surprised. Maybe that helped. But uh, I did like this. I thought it was on the upper half of the matches on the show, maybe top three or four. And uh, and and they got me into a match that I really didn't uh, care about coming into because I you know, don't follow Triple A's TV and wasn't into the feud. So uh, congrats to them for that. What did you think of it? Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. And I think uh, it helped that I read the Cubs fan preview uh, about this yeah. that we posted at voiceofwrestling.com. And he basically said that these are these are t- not very pushed commodities, but they're commodities that that go out there and bust their ass and have hard hitting matches. That's exactly what it was. I mean, it was yeah. it was hard hitting. It was brutal. I mean, they were bleeding and they were punching each other. And, and, and he even said in his preview, like they're not great. So a lot of times they just kind of hurt each other, <laughs> which is like, all right, whatever, yeah. like if that's going to be what it's going to be. And you felt that too. Like you felt that some of these punches were like a little, you know, a little close to the, the neck, but it was fine. It was, it was exactly uh, what he sort of previewed. And and it was, it was way better than I had any uh, expectations for. So I really enjoyed this. Uh, there was the weird, you know, uh, La Parca, not LA Park, La Parca coming out and doing yes. stuff with that. So it was a weird little like overbooking stuff that I didn't quite understand, but I think by and large, it didn't ruin the match uh, at all for me. I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I've been watching Fabi Apache for years, and that's, you know, a perfect description. I mean, she's not the greatest, but she does work very hard. You can um, tell effort was there. I mean, and that's what he said in his preview. He said these they they know that this is a huge spot for them, so you're going to get yes. effort. And that's exactly and he was right. he nailed what you it. got. He yeah, yeah. Good job out of him because he was dead on with that. Uh, Phoenix, unfortunately, defeats our man Jeff Jarrett. Oh, you know, AAA Mega okay. Heavyweight Championship. And a match that also involved Brian Cage, but you wouldn't know it if you uh, actually watched <laughs> yeah, the match. He... <laughs> <laughs> this match, I was saying, I think Brian Cage is in this match. And the only time I realized that Brian Cage was in the match is when Phoenix won and raised his hands. And I saw in the blurred background, Brian Cage with hands on his hips, like, oh, darn. I met, you know, like, oh, man. I was like, we well, didn't do anything. You were not involved in anything. Easy payday. Yeah, Brian Cage. Uh, Rich Swan was in this match as well. Um, so, yeah, Phoenix is your champ. And um, if he's bolting to WWE, we could have another Alberto Del El Patro and Rio situation on our hands. Uh, who knows if he'll come back and drop the damn thing. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, but uh, I didn't think much of this. I thought it was okay. I thought Phoenix was the clear standout. Um, you know, what'd you think of this? I don't have a ton to say about it. I thought it kind of stunk. I was uh, Phoenix was good. I thought everybody else didn't really do much. I thought Swan, Swan was okay. Uh, Cage was like you said, non-existent. I don't even fucking remember anything that he did in the match. And Jarrett was, yeah, I don't know. Jarrett was kind of shitty in this match. He was just kind of spamming guitar shots. And this, I, I hated this match. I thought it kind of stunk. So mm-hmm. it was one of my least, honestly, legit one of my least favorite matches of the entire show, which I never would have expected that this this one with three guys that I usually enjoy. Uh, would be the word, but it, I don't know. I just, there was, it was, it was everything that I a lot of times hate about these men. And it seemed like some of the guys weren't taking it all the way seriously. They're kind of knew it was a joke. Brian Cage. I, know, <laughs> but- I, 
have almost no notes on it and don't remember much about it. It just wasn't. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing that I remember. So just move on. So we got the four way for the masks. As expected, El Hio Del Fantasma loses the mask. Psycho Clown and Pentagon Jr. got out of there in quick order. I mean, they just they didn't waste any time, particularly Pentagon Jr. I mean, he uh, he bladed and then he hopped out of the cage. So, <laughs> he threw a fireball, um, to be fair. He did throw a fireball. But yeah, that that's was true. Um, that's true. no, that that was. And then Psycho Clown, like two minutes later, just did something and then walked out. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, that's the end of those guys. All right, cool. Like, yeah, no drama. No, anti- those guys just got out. The crowd didn't care. Nobody cared. It was that was a little lackluster that those two dudes just came in. They and did then, a little cage match for a minute and then bounced. Yeah. And then that completely killed the drama because at least if Psycho Clown was left in there, you could make the argument, OK, he'll work under paint if he loses his mask. You know, you still think he's going to ultimately win, but no one on Earth thinks L.A. Park is losing his mask right. to Phantasma. In this yeah. Oh, by the way, the Psycho Clown's entrance was like the greatest thing in the world, too. And I would I don't know if I'd give him a flamethrower or two flamethrowers uh, in front of a gigantic audience. Uh, but hey, if you're going to do that, that's uh, not a bad guy to do. Does he always uh, you watch a little bit more AAA than me? Does he always come up with those flamethrowers? Uh, I don't know if he always comes out with the flamethrowers. And I wa- if, if I watch more AAA than you, it's like barely more. Because okay, I, okay. I watch a lot of CMLL. You do? Yeah, okay, okay. So I don't, yeah, you're not, I don't you're watch a ton of AAA. Well, I watch AAA maybe. I feel like it's maybe not the best idea to give PsychoCon two flamethrowers, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, though, I thought this stunk. Um, I liked nothing about this. I thought that, um, you know, it just it, – it's – this was your – this is like I talked about earlier. This is when Lucha goes bad for me. Um, where it just falls apart and there was no drama because of the two guys that were left. Phantasma was trying hard, um, but LA park punching someone in the head and ripping masks. It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, there was no drama. So that didn't help. And rich, I know you hated this too. And I'll let you rant about it. The stuff with the referee to me, I'm going to make this point and I'm going to give you the floor. It, to me, there's, it sucked all the emotion out of the mask versus mask match. When, those type of matches should have more emotion than anything else in wrestling. But when you're weighing it down with these type of referee shenanigans, I can't get emotionally invested in it. And when LA park wins the matches under the circumstances he did with all the referee bullshit and everything else, to me, the psychology of it should be phantasma should be annoyed and refuse to unmask and park should be embarrassed to take a man's mask like that. But you know, it's like, and then they treat it like it's this big special moment that he lost his mask and this guy took his mask. But what I just saw was a bunch of Vince Russo shit. So it sucked all the emotion out of it. And Rich, I wanted to talk about this too, because when I spend the, the prior week watching a bunch of truly great mask matches that truly had great emotion, and then I watch this pile of shit, it looks even worse. I went back and watched Atlantis versus um, Viano 3 which we talked about last week and I had only watched once and I kind of buried it. I didn't really bury it, but didn't say, say I rewatched it and loved it. It was way better on rewatch than I remembered. Well over four stars, super emotional, loved the match. And then I went on this binge. I watched Atlantis take the mask of Mano Negra. I watched Atlantis take the mask of Kung Fu. I watched Atlantis take the mask of Ultimo Guerrero. I didn't watch the La Sombra match, but I rewatched those three or, and, and in some cases watched them for the first time. And the dichotomy to the bullshit that I sat through on this AAA show, I, it was garbage. It, it reminded me of Vince Russo at his worst. And I know that's what AAA is. And I just lectured people on watching it through AAA eyes. 
but it bothers me a lot. I can't just view it as mindless fun when it's supposed to be this emotional uh, mask match and they're doing all of this bullshit. To me, it wasn't emotional at all. And I think it was it cheapened the way that this man lost his mask. And I did not like it at all. And if you're forcing me to put star ratings on this match, the totality of it, I'd go like one. I really hated this. I thought it stunk and it was not enjoyable. And to me, it was the worst thing on the show. Yeah, I, I'm kind of right with you there. And you know me, I had kind of have a, a, a disposition against these sort of matches as well. But there was a point in this match, maybe the first five or six minutes where I was into it. I was like, all right, cool. This is actually pretty emotional. I'm, I'm getting it. I understand the point. I think Stryker was doing a good job of talking about the importance of both guys' masks. And Vampiro even was doing a good job as well. I listened to the English commentary for some conversation reason. We'll get to that here in a bit. But um, yeah, there was there was a moment where I was like, all right, this is actually working for me. I kind of like this. It was kind of brawly, and I was saying, hey, I'm going open-minded. Hey, look, like I'm five minutes into one of these matches. I usually don't like these. I'm liking this a lot. I, you know, the rest of the show has been pretty fun. I'm into this. I'm liking it. And then, like you said, the ref stuff happened, and it it sucked. All the emotion out for me. It just and I know again, like you said, it is what they do. And people say, oh, well, that's just part of the game. That's kind of the AEW. That, that's fine. That, that if that's part of the AAA game, I get it. That's fine. But then I don't have to like it. You know what I mean? I you can right. tell the story, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to like it just because you're telling the story that you 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 want to tell. It, it, it still it sucked for me, and that's completely dragged it for me. You got to the point where you had fucking the referee holding him onto a table. You had the counting. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take near fall seriously. And when I do that, that kills me. When I can't think that a near fall is a near fall, that hurts it for me because those are the best parts of wrestling to me is the storytelling of a near fall. And when a near fall is, oh geez, what's he gonna do? One two, ah, uh, he's just not gonna counter. Ah, uh, he's gonna do one, and then he's gonna act like he's got something in his eye. Like that bullshit. I just, I hate that stuff. I fucking, I, I cannot stand that at all. And I understand that is. Is something that happens in AAA that is part of the, the game or whatnot but like you said I don't have to like it then and that it absolutely killed it for me and you had the counts you had all that sort of stuff as I said you had him holding him to go through a table and whatnot and then the finish I mean I was almost going to be like all right look if we get to the end and it, it, it's still pretty fun and the referee doesn't have a bearing on this it'll be pretty fun but then the finish I just went oh my god really like I hated the finish so much for people that didn't see it uh you know LA Park has um or Fantasma has this referee sort of on his side their entire match. He gets up at one point and shoves him, and the ref's pissed that he shoves him. Park hits him with a move, pins him, and the ref just quickly counts three and then goes, oh, no, I can't believe I counted three. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? And it's like you said, this is a huge moment. This is the, the, the biggest scalp you can get. This is the bigger than any championship, bigger than any moment. This is the main event of a triple mania, the main event of your biggest show of the year, the main event, this thing that shouldn't mean so much to this guy. There's a ceremony afterwards where, where they're crying and, oh, my God, and yada, yada, yada. And it ends that way. It ends with the ref fucking up because he was trying like you know what i mean like just stuff like that i was just like oh god like what a horrible way to end it nonsense and you know you could do that all show long can you at least you know preserve the sanctity of this and maybe we're just being you know it is pro wrestling and it's silly but you know the reason we get into it is because sometimes it it's it is emotional and i just ran off that whole list of atlantis matches that i watched and they were all great you know and particularly the viano one and it was and there was great because it was real emotion and um, this just bothered me. I didn't find it emotional at all. And at that point, it just became another match. And a mask match shouldn't be just another match. You know, uh, it was just another clusterfuck on a show full of clusterfucks. And uh, this one just wasn't fun. So um, didn't like it at all. Couldn't yeah. stand it. Yeah, I wanted to like it. And it wasn't necessarily the work. I thought the work was fine. It was just it completely, the stuff completely sucked me out of the match. So it's just Phantasma kind of, worked his ass off. Yeah, he was great. 
you know, uh, the other two guys got out of there pretty quickly. You know, it's just the, the, the whole thing didn't really work for me. So I didn't like it. Um, we got to talk about this commentary. Uh, you know, Matt Straker tried his best. He really did. He tried to save the commentary of this show over and over and over. Vampiro, Matt Stryker was not the problem. On this night, Matt Stryker was was clearly not the problem. Vampiro was so bad. I mean, just from... Uh, Matt Stryker deserves an award. Matt Stryker deserves an award for sitting next to this guy for four hours and trying to get professionalism out of him for four hours. Just going into business for himself and the lack of professionalism and you know, farting <laughs> on camera. I mean, he ripped a fart in the middle of the show and you know, he lifted his leg for that one. He lifted his leg and ripped a loud ass fart. Yeah, on- if there's one thing dudes know, it's, it's, it's the sound of a fart. So when we're yes. breaking this fart down, we know we have been there. We've done it. We've done every fart. You can, that is a leg lifter for sure. And you know, that fart stunk. It's, it sounded like a fart that smelled very bad. Um, and then, you know, when they did the big angle, where, where Mad, you know, was calling him out and he refused to get up and get into the ring until his music played. And he's screaming over the commentary, play my fucking music. Where's my goddamn music? Yeah. Play what my fucking fuck? music. Play my fucking music. <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, the heels are continuing to try to stall any way they can. Jeff Jarrett, I don't know how many times he's got to call a guy a punta and a bendejo and everything else to fucking stall. And this, uh, you this are- only lasted like 30 seconds, but it actually it probably lasted about a minute, but it felt like it was 15 minutes of like, you know, Jared and Conan being like, come on, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? And it's excruciating. <laughs> Vimpro stands up and then he sits down and goes, would somebody play my fucking music? Jeff Jarrett was running out of ways to point over the ropes and say, Vampiro, you are Basura. Like he's running out of ways to fucking say that. He doesn't know that many Spanish words. So let's go. He's out of Spanish fucking words. Okay. (laughs) Matt Stryker is desperately trying to weave this into some sort of protecting of kayfabe. Well, you know, Vampiro knows that his music will energize the fans and rally them behind him. So he wants that music to play. Meanwhile, it's just Vampiro throwing a hissy fit because his music's not playing. I mean, I had nothing to do, you know, but poor Matt Stryker trying his best. Okay. Finally, the music hits. And the guy gets in the ring, and they and and they do their angle. Where apparently he's having a loser leave town match with Conan, um, you know. So whatever. Nobody wants to see Vampiro wrestle at this point. Nobody wants to see Conan wrestle at this point either. We definitely don't want to see them wrestle each other. Like this is uh, you know 1993. Uh, so, but the commentary. I mean, what was Vampiro even talking? You know, at one point, my favorite exchange is he goes, uh, "You know, Matt, it doesn't matter if you get bit by a shark." Or you get bit by a kitten, it's still an animal bite. And Striker <laughs> and Striker goes, "Yeah, vamp, but those are two very different kind of bites." Yeah, I would take a thousand kitten bites over. <laughs> and Vampiro goes, "Yeah, but that's not the point. It's it, they're both bites." And Striker, like everyone else, is thinking, "Yeah, but you fucking idiot! One will kill you." You know, and one will scratch yeah, one will you, remove a limb from your body, and the other one will like be annoying. What is this man? You know, what's he going on about? And uh, you know, the, the constant profanity, and then apologizing for the profanity. Listen, yeah. if you're gonna curse, curse, but don't apologize for yeah. it every time you do it. It's just an absolute, complete disaster. Oh God, yeah. The the best. I mean, there's, my my favorite things that he was doing was. Um, 
gotten to Vampiro was great as he's scrolling Twitter and going, hey, Jacob, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, he's just having individual conversations with people adding him on Twitter. Like, yeah, this fucking asshole Nick just said that I'm having no, I'm not having fun. Well, fuck you, Nick. Go fuck yourself. And Strecker's like, okay, all right. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, matches were going on and you know he's sitting there with his phone looking at these ads. And then you knew at a certain point that people were adding him just to have Vampiro get mad at him. On, Absolutely. On, you know, on the, and he was Right, like a hook, line, and sinker falling for people trolling him by being like, man, do you look like a piece of shit? He's like, fuck off, dude. What do you fucking know, man? And then, oh my He's God. In the and middle then, of Flame Wars on Twitter, in the middle of the broadcast. <laughs> what is he doing? Even we wouldn't do that. <laughs> He's he's shit posting live on the air, yeah. On, on, while he's broadcasting a show. Oh my god! And then there was uh, during the pre-show, they I think they were like adjusting his stuff. And at one point, Striker's calling a match, and all of a sudden, Vamp just goes, "Hey, don't fucking touch my shit!" And Striker goes, <laughs> uh, "They can hear you, Vamp. Everything you say." And he's like, "I told you, don't touch that." Striker's just like, "All right, folks, we're trying to get everything together here." So that's uh, and then he was eating an ice cream sandwich at one point. I think that pre dated the fart uh, did you hear that and, and striker said ah you're eating on the air and vamp said yeah never had magnum bars and it, he said what it was it was a crunchy magnum bar which those are delicious i get it but that predated the fart so we know where the fart came from it was from a, a crunchy peanut magnum bar so that was pretty good we're not making any of this up this is the best part and then um it was obviously the fart and then just he didn't know anything like this man's involved in the booking and it was just like so vamp what's the significance of this and he's like oh man like when cross came out when cross came out with ellie park striker goes you know vamp what's the significance and vamp just says nothing just leaves him hanging oh man oh man it's like no nah, dude you need to you're the color guy like let's let's go with this let's let's do something oh man and this this man's a legend. <laughs> right, okay, well, what's the significance of this? This is a uh, Riddick Bo. Is it, I don't know where he got this from, but he's like, this Riddick is Bo. Riddick Bo came out with Muhammad Ali, and I'm like, Riddick Bo? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he like Lewis? a 25-year-old? Did, did he say Riddick Bo or Lennox Lewis? I don't Either remember. Either way, it's a 20-year-old <laughs> right. boxing reference. Okay? Right. Either way, it's awful. Either way, it's not Tyson Fury. Okay? It's a 25-year-old boxing reference. I don't know which one he said. It could have been Razor Ruddick for all I know. <laughs> Either way, it was a 25-year-old boxing reference. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was just he was the absolute shits. Yeah, it he was, was so bad. bad. Yeah, he was he has to win worst uh, wrestling announcer. Oh, based off this alone, yeah, for sure. He has to win it because it's not like the Lucha Underground stuff is, is fucking vintage Gordon Soley, okay? He's got to fucking win. It was so bad. And Matt Striker... By the way, Lucha Underground deserves an Emmy for editing Vampiro into something listenable. Like it's not good, but it's listenable. So they, I, I, you know, we we criticize Lucha Underground a lot. They deserve an Emmy right now for best editing for sure. I I genuinely felt bad for Matt Stryker because he was trying, and 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 you know, it really could have been bad if Matt Stryker was having a Matt Stryker night where he didn't give a fuck a few years ago. Yeah, remember that where he just said, "Fuck it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) these tech issues suck. I don't give a shit. Whatever. We're not even on the air. Fuck this." Yeah, that was that was that. but he tried to hold this together the best that he could. And he covered for all of the shitty work on this show. And he tried his best to cover for Vampiro. And he tried to retain kayfabe. And look, he tried to get interesting things out of Vampiro. Like you're saying, he would kick at the Vampiro and go, oh, what's the meaning behind this mask? Or why do these two people hate each other? Or what's the history of this title? <laughs> anything. Give me something, Vampiro. And Vampiro something. was giving him nothing. Zero. 
It was incredible. I mean, you know, Matt Strick, I don't know how he just he, – he kept his composure during this and how he didn't just throw his hands and say, fuck it. This guy doesn't care. Why am I putting effort into this shit? So really a, uh, an amazingly bad – this show is worth a watch even just to listen to the Vampiro commentary track. Right. It got fun bad for me too. And that's the best part is about halfway through. I went, this is incredible. This is, I cannot wait to see what this guy says next. It was bad. It was really bad, but it became to me, it was so, so bad that it became fun bad. So, so I don't know if you had the same idea as I did, but I, I actually, yeah, sure. yeah, I started enjoying it actually at a certain point. Like it was annoying at first. And then I realized, Oh, this is what we're going to have here. And then, yeah, I just fucking, <laughs> it, it went off the rails the pre-show when he's yelling at guys touching his stuff. It was when I decided this is awesome and I'm into this. So, yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was Don't touch fucking- my fucking stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hands off my fucking shit. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> and then at one point he goes, the fucking mic doesn't work. And it's like and he's buzzing and he's breathing into it. And Striker's like, well, we're testing all the equipment to make sure we give you guys, the fans, the English you know, speaking audience, the best thing we can do on Twitch or whatever. <laughs> it, it was unreal. But I mean. Overall, look, it's like I did enjoy this show overall. I didn't like the main event. And, uh, you know, a lot of the matches were a little sloppy. But overall, I enjoyed my viewing experience. I'm not going to bury the show because, um, you know, I the main event didn't work for me. So I, I can't say I wasted my time. If you're using, like, a straight, simple, thumbs up, thumbs down, observer style, I give it a th- – it's a thumbs up show for me. I, I, You know, would it be a thumbs up show for you? Oh, certainly. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed my time watching this. Definitely a thumbs up. Yeah, okay. And probably the best Triple Mania over the last three or four years or so, I'd say. I mean, a lot of them have been just straight up horrendous. Yeah, I mean, if it's so. watchable, it's, it's, it's better than a lot of the other ones. So Yeah, and a lot of them were really bad. So uh, let's see. We've got about 15 minutes left. Let's push the destruction stuff Yeah, again. sorry, guys. Sorry. Oh, hey, we're pushing New Japan back, so people can't... Uh... New Japan Mecca, where you push New Japan back twice. So there you go. Yes, because I'd much rather talk about OTT to close out yes, the show. Let's do that for sure. Uh, it's much more interesting to me. Let's start at the top. Uh, the Walter Jordan Devlin match. Walter defeats Jordan Devlin in this OTT uh, championship match, right? I believe it was a championship. Uh, yes. Match. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Walter wins, wins the title. Devlin was the champion going in. So, so my thoughts on this, um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, to me, this is a match of the year contender. This was one of the best matches I've seen all year. And it's it, 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 it fit the story of what a lot of Walter matches are. Rich, I want your take on this. I think Walter is the best, quote unquote, final boss in all of pro wrestling. I know Minoru Suzuki gets a lot of praise for being a great final boss. I know Suji Ishikawa is another guy who has a reputation for being a great final boss. There's Brock Lesnar, who I think fits that mold for me. Walter is the best final boss. And, you know, that's a term that comes from the video game world. Uh, ultimately, the, the dude or the monster or the, the, the woman or whatever it is that you have to beat uh, uh, to ultimately complete the game. Um, because, you know, you look at Walter and he's just so great in scenarios like this against a guy like Jordan Devlin, who's so determined to beat him against, uh, you know, his feud with David Starr, his, yeah. his matches with, Il- with Ilya Dragunov and WXW. They all had that final boss vibe where they're trying to slay this beast that is Walter. And his style of work fits that to a T where he's just this, 
He's like a bear just pawing at you and, and, and you can't take him down. And when you take him down, you can't keep him down. And that was really the story of this match with the hometown crowd behind Devlin. And he's, he's working to take this beast down and he's scoring near falls. And then Walter just at the end, just picks him up and drills his head into the mat, puts him away. And it was just an incredible experience. They, they told that story so well of Devlin just fighting and showing such heart and trying to take this guy down, you know, in front of his hometown fans. And he just comes up short because Walter is just too big and too tough and too strong. And now Devlin has to start all over again on level one. Yeah. To try to take this guy down. And I went three and three. I went four and three quarters on this. I could easily win five. I think it's one of the best matches of the year. It'll it'll most certainly show up on my list uh, come the end of the year. And uh, I can't say enough good things about it. What did you think of Walter defeating Jordan Devlin? Yeah, I loved it as well. And I think one thing that you should do before this match, and usually like we kind of eye roll, you know, promo videos for a lot of times now because they overdo them now. WWE does a promo video for fuck, literally every fucking match and you don't need that. This one, you need to watch this one. The, the promo that they play before that will get you in the mood for this and understand what you're doing here. And they use, they use you know, we used a boxing reference before. They use Tyson as like the juxtaposition. Like Mike Tyson, which I think plays in your final boss theory a little bit as well. Yeah. Mike Tyson is the Walter to them. Walter is Tyson. Right. Tyson, obviously, you know, punch out. Mike Tyson's punch out. Mike Tyson's the final boss in that game. And, and you will, you can dominate that game. And then you fucking face Mike Tyson and everything that you did to get to that point does not work. He just punches, he beats the fuck out of you and you go, God damn it. How I, I, I mastered this game, but I cannot fucking beat Mike Tyson. And that's what Devlin did. Devlin had, Hey, I got this, uh, you know, springboard cutter. This will work really well. Now, now Walter just grabs him and, and, and locks him into a choke. Hey, I got this. Now Walter just slaps the fuck out of you. Now I do this. He's just more powerful than you. You know what I mean? Like he's not technically better than you. You can have all the tricks in the game. Devlin had every little thing that he could possibly do, but Walter would just shrug him off. Like you said, paw at him, lock him into whatever he did, drop on his head. Like it was, it felt like you said, the final boss is a great reference to that because it is a guy who isn't the most technically sound guy, maybe in the world walter isn't that but walter just feels like a monster walter just feels like everything that you did to beat all the other characters to get to him is not going to matter because he's just more powerful that he can hit you with one punch and it's going to knock half your health bar out and then you're like scrambling to figure out oh fuck what do i do and devlin had that he got one shot from walter reached down and even uh, uh david Starr, who was seconding um uh, devlin he they, they cut to david Starr after one of the chops and he just goes oh no because he knows that that chop is like, fuck, he got caught by the chop. He's done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's got nothing left in the tank. He's going to have to do everything he can to beat this boss because, man, that chop, one more chop and he's done. He's dead. And, like, the final boss is a perfect way to reference Walter. And he's just the, the perfect monster in wrestling as well. Whatever you want to say. Like, we talk about, you know, I, again, I'm not going to bring up WWE again. We've done a good job of not talking about them much on the show. But, you know, where Braun Strowman, people say he's a monster. Bullshit. Walter is a wrestling monster. This is what I mean when I say monster. This is not lifting things up and throwing ambulances and tossing cages aside. A monster is a guy that no matter what you're in the ring with, nothing works because he's just bigger and he's just stronger. And that's what this match was. Devlin was technically better. Devlin had him scouted. Devlin knew what he had to do to win this match. It just didn't fucking matter because Walter is a monster. Walter is the final boss. Walter just has better stats than you. Walter's just more powerful than you. And I thought it just worked. It's like Walter was not technically sound in this match at all. He didn't. And and that's not to say Walter's not a great wrestler. He absolutely is. He didn't do anything. Devlin was bouncing all around the ring, doing this, doing this, doing this. And Walter would just grab his wrist and slap him. You know, (laughs) Walter would just grab his wrist and chop him. Walter would just grab him out of, you know, whatever movie he was going to do and put him in a chokehold. And that's that's what this match was. And you could what was awesome, too, is when we use the term hope spot a lot where, you know, a guy gets a near fall and it's like, oh, my God, he might do it. He might do it. And then, he you know, he doesn't do it. It's like, oh, man, or whatever. This 
when you talk about hope spots, this crowd was dying to have Devlin win this match. There was multiple times where there'd be a near fall and they go, oh my God, please, please. And they kick out and you can just hear him go, oh, like just the, the, the audible, like, oh no, like he, he he's not going to survive this many more. You know, he's not going to survive that many more minutes. He needs to put him away. Right. And then when Walter eventually beat him, it was the, the reaction was incredible. It felt like very similar in a lot of ways to, you know, Brock Lesnar defeating the Undertaker at, at Mania 30 was just like this deflated, but in a good way. You know, I mean, deflated in the, oh, my God, now what? Oh, my God, Devlin had this amazing run, but now what does he do? And that's really awesome right. to see when it's done. You know, when it's done well, when it, the story was done well, and th- there is going to be a conclusion at some point, but you can still get invested in the idea that, oh, my God, Devlin has to start over now. Oh, my God, he got there and now he's got to work his way back up. And and who the fuck is going to beat Walter? Oh, my God, we're screwed. Like it was it was really cool in that sense. But no, this is definitely um, a match that you're contender, a match that you absolutely have to see. And 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 just the crowd really helped it as well, because they were one hundred and ten percent behind Devlin. And that really helped as well. They wanted nothing more than this man to, to, to win. And they were hoping and praying and, and living and dying by every single near fall. And, and Walter just fucking beat him, just put him in the middle of the ring and beat him. And it's it's one of those things where I loved David Starr being in Devlin's corner because David Starr is a guy who has lost, I don't know, a million times to Walter yeah, in knows, yeah. on Earth from WXW to beyond to progress, particularly WXW, where he just gets beaten like a drum by Walter over and over and over. And uh, so because it, it, it's like he knows he knows what Devlin was going through. Uh, you know, in this match and uh, just an incredible match. But, you know, I did watch um, a good chunk of this show. I haven't gotten through all of it yet. Yeah. Well, one uh, quick thing before we do that. I know, I know we're, we're, we're a little low on time, but but when we talk about the emotion of a match and like this one compared to the AAA, this would be akin to the referee, you know, helping Devlin beat Walter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, God, it like, yeah, like, yeah awesome. that's what we're talking about. When it's just these guys sitting and when it's just a match between these two and you're living and dying by every single move. That's where you get emotion for me, at least. I don't know. You can you can like whatever you like, but this is this is what I want when I want an emotional match. I want two dudes going out there trying to win this match, and I want guys on the outside wanting their guys to win but not getting involved. Timothy Thatcher wasn't grabbing Jordan Devlin's by the ankles. The referee wasn't kicking Walter to try to have Jordan Devlin win or whatnot. You know what I mean? It wasn't that. That's what we talk about when when the emotion gets sucked out of a match. There was none of that here. This was two dudes just going and their seconds just just being there for moral support but not necessarily getting involved in any way whatsoever. Yeah, well, it was very similar to the Walter David Star match from last October in WXW, where Star had already lost to Walter. I don't know, I don't follow WXW super close, but at least three or four times previous to that, and they had this match last October, and I think we talked about it on this show. We did, and that was a great match, and I thought this was even better than that Walter David Star match from WXW. So, uh, yeah, just uh, phenomenal stuff, well worth going out of your way to see, and Walter. I mean, bell to bell, this is a wrestler of the year contender for sure. I mean, he's at the top of any list uh, if you're just looking at bell. And even if you're not looking at, you know, other things too. I mean, the top star everywhere he goes, you know, and uh, and for very good reason. So uh, some of the rest of the show that I did see, what do we got? About five minutes left. Yeah, so about five or so. Very quickly. I watched the, uh, the six-man tag team match where the losing team must split with more than hype versus legit 100. Just because I hadn't seen a lot of these wrestlers before. It was uh, Nathan Martin, Darren Kearney, and LJ Cleary. And they beat Michael Mace, Scotty Davis, and Curtis Murray. I'm glad I watched it. It was sloppy. And, you know, it, 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 well, I can't call it a great match or anything like that. But you could see that a lot of these guys clearly have some, some potential. 
So there's some people in this match, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know who everybody was, but I saw some things that I liked, and a lot of these guys have a ton of potential. Um, I watched the Kushida-Shane Strickland match. Rich, you should watch that. Oh, I'm going to watch Very the rest good. of the show, I think. The, the rest of the okay. card looks incredible, so I, I want to watch. I mean, yeah, I'll probably skip that six-man that you said, but yeah, I want to watch a lot more of this, this show. Uh, you're not going to watch the Moth, huh? You're not going to watch uh, Session Moth in the opener and a hot mix tag? Uh, that looks pretty terrible, so no, I'll probably skip that one. Yeah, Kushida Shane Strickland was excellent. I went four and a quarter on that. Uh, they told a good story with uh, Kushida going after Strickland's arm. And then there was a uh, Timothy Thatcher-David Starr match. I gave it a shot because outside of Evolve, I tend to think Timothy Thatcher is pretty okay. I didn't like him here. This was uh, very boring uh, when Thatcher was in control. This was the Thatcher that I do not like. Uh, there was no juice here. This was a hot crowd all night, except when Timothy Thatcher was in control of this match against David Starr. This guy just sucks the life out of crowds. Uh, David Starr brought fire here, though. I thought David Starr was excellent in this match, trying to uh, uh, go after the bigger, stronger opponent. Um, if I had the star rated, I would go three and a quarter range somewhere there. Thatcher gets the win. And then, of course, my favorite wrestler in the world, Big Tom Ishii. And uh, he took on Juice Robinson in a New Japan match. This was not for the U.S. title. And uh, another great Tomohiro Ishii match. No one's talking about it because Walter Jordan Devlin was so fucking great. But Rich, this was like a four and a half star match with Ishii and Juice Robinson. As you would expect these guys to have if they were going to go all out. All out. And Tomohiro Ishii, another guy, always in the conversation for the, uh, for the wrestler of the year. So uh, definitely well worth checking out. At least the, the matches that I saw. And, I, and I'll probably watch the rest of this ma- uh, show at some point. But this was an excellent show. What was the name of this show? This OTT uh, show? WrestleRama. WrestleRama 2. Wrestle OTT Rama. WrestleRama 2. And yeah, OTT is a company I'd love to watch a little bit more. It's just one of those we, we talk about all the time, time of the day. I mean, we, yeah. we barely have enough time to watch Pearl. We barely have enough time to watch American. Like, it'd be great if we could just quit our jobs and watch wrestling all day. But it's one of these things that like, like WXW and OTT are two companies that I wish I could just give more time to. But I just yeah. I just can't. You know, So it's great that we get a match like this that, that we absolutely have to watch. And people say, hey, I know you guys don't have time, but this one you have to watch. And I'm glad I saw that. And I'm, I'm going to now as, as, as a conduit to that, then watch uh, you know a few of those other matches on the show because it looks like a lot of fun and and we had a lot of representatives that were at the show as well. I know the Sarahs were there, at least one of the Sarahs. I think, I think Fake Sting Sarah was there uh, and a few other representatives from our, our Brit Rest uh, section of the website. So yeah, a lot of fun there. You can hear Sarah a lot. I think during the show, I don't know, I don't know if she was uh, enjoying uh, adult beverages, but uh, you could hear her a lot screaming and, and going nuts and having a good time. That looks like a lot of fun to go to that arena as well. It's, it's man, was oh, that a hot crowd? Yeah, dude, I, I was watching that going, man, I want to be there for this. That looks like a lot of fun. Just what a great crowd. Liquored, I mean, liquored up Irish people spewing about wrestling. I want to be there. That sounds like something I need to be a part of. But. A tremendous crowd for this, for everything that I saw on the show, except for that, you know, Tim Thatcher control period. Super hot crowd. So yeah, uh, they can't yeah, blame them because this is Tim Thatcher control period. So it's probably going to suck anyway. So, um, all right. So that is it for this week's uh, Voices of Wrestling. Of course, voiceofwrestling.com, voiceofwrestling.com slash forums uh, voicewrestling.com slash patreon you're going to want to keep your eye on that over the weekend as we are going to have some all-in coverage uh, while I'm there live at the show and that uh, some other stuff as well uh, voicewrestling.com slash newsletter if you want to do that uh, voicewrestling.com slash amazon any purchase you make on there helps us out and of course we mentioned the all-in events uh, Saturday uh, immediately following show if you want to meet us up at GameWorks in Schaumburg we will be there we'll be hanging out with some members of the voice wrestling staff uh, and then Sunday September 2nd we got Chris and Brandon of WrestleNomics doing a live show at the Height Region the Schaumburg, the podcast movement stage. Uh, they're getting on at 10 a.m., going to 11.30. And then I'm going on at 11.30 to 1. I will have uh, 
hopefully a very special guest. We've soft confirmed them unless anything comes up, but should be a newsworthy guest and should be a real fun guest as well to have on someone we have uh, talked about on the show quite a lot. Someone I know that's a longtime listener uh, and one of the inspirations for this website and this podcast as well. So that'll be pretty cool uh, to chat with that person. If Oh my God, you booked CM Punk. CM Punk is in the house, baby. I got him. Uh, we should have, you know, stupid us. We buried this at, what, 2.58? I really should have put this a little bit earlier in the show. But yeah, CM Punk will be there uh, live with me. Unless he cancels, and I have a backup in case CM Punk cancels. So we'll see what happens uh, there. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, just I'm just saying. Free to open to the public. Free and open to the public. Hyatt, read, and see. Uh, card subject to change on that, uh, <laughs> that guest as well. Just so you know. I mean, you know, it is. But yeah, Hyatt, read, and see. Sunday, September 2nd. Uh, Voice Wrestling. A uh, little double dip there. We got 10 a.m. to 11.30, WrestleNomics, and then 11.30 to 1, uh, me doing a show with a very special guest who may or may not be CM Punk. May not be, but we'll see. <laughs> Podcast movement stage, free and open to the public on that day. So that's all in. That's this show. And then, anyway, that's it for Voice of Wrestling. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech, and we'll see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast. Take care.